Pod. You're listening to Garage Hammer, episode 128. On tonight's episode, the fat manling has the schwantz on so that he's not sitting there talking all by himself like the pathetic loser in the basement that we all know he is. <laughs> Shut it! I'm listening to me show! Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next few hours, I'll be doing the best I can to share with you my love of tabletop wargaming and probably some of my various and sundry other fandoms. Bringing you tonight's dose of comp, war scrolls, and scenarios, I'm Dave Whitech, and with me tonight as guest co-hosts are the Schwantz, Brad, and Andrea. Guys, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Dave. Where's Andrea? Oh, head mute, sorry. <laughs> hey, seriously, guys, thank you so much for coming on. I'm, it's glad that, uh, I'm glad that so many people were willing to jump in and, and help out and, and uh, fill in for the second chair until I found someone willing and able to uh, be a permanent second chair. So uh, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. Yeah, so long as time zones agree, we're always willing to, yeah. willing to help out. Well, we're only one different, which is way better than the six that uh, Greg, Dan, and Chris Tomlin and them have to do when they come on. Right, right. Or even the guys in California. Isn't that like three or is that two? It might be two. I don't remember. Yeah, three. Two for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for you. Yeah, two. Yeah, so. so. Time zones. (laughs) (laughs) Although that actually works out better for me because most human beings have to go to sleep at a normal hour. So like when they're two hours earlier than me, it's like, oh, I can get on about nine o'clock my time. And I'm like, hey, I can stay up till 11 or, or midnight and do the call. So. Oh, yeah, I get up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning for work, so my, I've got an early bedtime. Oh, see, I, I get up at I get up at uh, 5.20, but I still stay up. I just, if I need to, I'll catch a nap later or, or something when I have to, but that's just me. I'm kind of a maniac. That's probably why I'm so unhealthy, because I don't sleep. But that's another story for another show. Hey, listen, Brad, would you mind helping me out uh, with thanking our sponsors who make this show possible? Uh, I don't know. I've got some big shoes to fill for Chris, but here we go. <laughs> As always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer. Unique gifts and games in... Grays Lake, Illinois. Mears Miniatures. That's M-I-E-R-C-E hyphen miniatures. Mantic Games. Building bigger rank and flank armies. And Battle Foam, protecting your... Army. Oh, and I'd also like to introduce our newest sponsor, the TC War Room, uh, TC War Room in Traverse City, Michigan, run by our good friend Wayne. You ain't wrong, Barry. So, um, yeah, since they did the thousand zombie challenge, and I told him, you know, just get me two hundred at a time because building eight hundred at a time is crazy. And he That's, said, uh... "Nope," and brought <laughs> me all eight hundred at once. And now there's no, I, I'm not even rebasing. By 200 and some odd zombies, I'm keeping those square ones for Kings of War. I still don't need eight. I'm there, I just, there's no game systems that I could use that many zombies for, so we're going to figure something out. But he's going to be a sponsor on the show for quite a long time for all these zombies that he got me because that was awful kind of him. That's pretty exciting that Wayne's a sponsor. He's he's really a great guy, and he does a lot for the community. Yeah, he is. He's fantastic. And I should have been we, – we, he was supposed to be – it was supposed to be the, the – you know, hey, what have you done building those zombies segment where we're always, you know, that's where they get their plug. You know, sort of like Castle Superstore has the the toolbox. And uh, yeah, then Age of Sigmar came out and got announced. And it was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to build these now. I don't know how, to, how I'm going to use them. So I'm, we're just throwing them up there because they're just going to be here for, for a while just because they deserve it. 
he's uh, like you said, he does a lot, man. And such a, he's a generous guy. He really is. So, oh yeah. Anybody who uh, plays uh, evening games at GTs knows he's the generous guy with usually the alcohol. <laughs> if he's up that late, <laughs> I still remember when we made this deal. Him showing up, it was like three, four in the afternoon. He was like ready to fall over. He had to go take a nap. Came back out later that evening. I was like, man, I don't know how you guys livers stand it. But that's just me. I'm kind of a teetotaler for the most part. Not 100%, but I have very low tolerance for alcohol because I rarely drink. So I had a low tolerance before I met Ryan Nickel at, a, at Blood in the Sun. Yeah, Ryan Nickel's another one. The, yeah, it's like, hey, I've built up a tolerance. Yeah, those people, that's crazy. <laughs> I, get, I don't get it. But what are you going to do? So, so listen, um, shout outs. It's time for shout outs. We only have one, really. Um, and uh, it's from Todd Hansen, and he really didn't have a shout out, but he sponsored the show. And you know, it, it, those are those come in few and far between nowadays. You know, getting someone who just drops drops uh, some money for a show sponsorship. So he actually sent me an email saying, "Hey, greetings. I have no message for the show. I just wanted to show my support for a great podcast. I'm enthusiastic about Age of Sigmar. Please continue your support of this new version of our game. Thank you, Todd Hansen from Atlanta, GA." So anyway, I'll read that then because you didn't want a shout out, but you deserve one. So thank you very much for that. So there we go. And uh, let's see what else is going on here. Emails. Dude, I got a lot of emails about the hobby clearance that I've been doing. Um, and by the time this airs, I've packaged up and hopefully shipped just about most of it. In fact, I'm pretty much down to unboxed stuff at this point, almost exclusively. Orcs and Goblins, Empire, and uh, Wood Elves. So thanks to everyone who jumped in. I mean, everyone got some good deals, but thanks for helping me out and getting some money so I can keep the show going and get some new equipment where I need it. Um, it's really nice, plus my hobby closet now. I mean, it was just sick, dude. You guys have no idea. I'm talking like, seriously, like three, about three dozen or so unopened boxes of models. And I'm like, I'm never going to get to these, three, four dozen boxes. So they had to go. Yeah. I think there was a time where we had two full tournament armies still in boxes sitting in the, the game room. So it's not uh, Dave Wytek or Tom McClure level, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it had to go. It just did. It's like it's got to go. And I feel so much better now. It's like <laughs> and some of it was hard. It's like, but I really want to build this. And I keep saying to myself, yeah, but then you should have. So put it away. <laughs> you still have. I still got a couple of boxes of my dwarfs left to finish building a couple of gyrocopters. I've still got. You know, some other things to do. So it's like, I've got plenty to work on here if I want to. That stuff just has to get out. So, um, and let's see, one last thing before commercial break. We have voicemail, folks. Don't forget, it's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's right, that's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. And if you're calling internationally, it's generally 00-1-757-GH-SHOW-6. No voicemails today, which is shocking because voicemails tend to come in fast and furious. But, uh... Nothing right now. I get, see, Chris, you leaves the show and nobody calls. It's just, ugh, it makes me so sad. No, it's, there's a little bit of a lull right now at tournaments, so you don't have all the drunk people calling you. <laughs> That's true. Mark Cox did a poll. He's like, I'm really sorry about that. I'm like, why are you sorry about that? I love that song. He's like, well, you know, I guess they usually drunk dial somebody's mom and sing that to them. But they're like, well, we figured we'd just call you. <laughs> I was like, okay. So you, so you save somebody's mom for an evening. Yes. Hey, you know what? I've often been called a mother, so whatever. We'll go with that. But, uh, folks, that's everything for the intros. We're going to take a really quick break. We're going to come back and come back with the uh, news and rumors segment. So stay tuned. 
Hello, folks. Um, this is not a normal commercial. The show is longer than the normal show, and therefore we have a couple extra breaks. And so I decided to steal the first one for a little bit of shameless promotion. October 10th, I will be recording the October 25th released episode, episode 130, live from Unique Gifts and Games. Um... It's going to be Tabletop Wargaming Day at Unique Gives and Games. We'll be there from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Come on down. Any game you want to play, anything you want to do, we are there. Gaming tables are open. There will be Age of Sigmar. There will be Infinity. There will be Kings of War. And there will be any other tabletop wargaming that you might feel inclined to bring along. War Machine, Hordes, Wrath of Kings, whatever you're bringing. There's tables there. We're going to be playing. You don't have to sign up. Uh, you can come in any point of the day, and as soon as the table opens up, you can grab a game. Now, while everybody is welcome to come down, the actual space in the store is a little bit limited, so get there early, jump in, grab a table. If you're coming later, come on down. Anytime, any portion of the day you can come down, I will be happy to see you down there. Now, obviously, if you're coming, you can just show on up with your stuff and feel free to play. However, if you'd like to let us know that you're coming, you could either email me at garagehammeratlive.com and just say, hey, I will definitely be there. Or you could even call the store, 847-548-8270. Let them know, hey, I heard about Tabletop Wargaming Day with Garage Hammer on October 10th, and I am definitely going to be there. Um, it just, you know. It'll make them feel good to know that people are coming. So feel free to show up. Call ahead if you like. Don't if you don't. No big deal. Uh, just gaming all day long, and that is the plan. Before you ask, uh, I am planning on running some Clash Comp for Age of Sigmar at UGG, which means, you know, look that up. I'll have uh, links to the... Clash comp in the show notes. I'm thinking that uh, if we follow that comp, that way everybody who shows up knows what to expect of their game. Since uh, otherwise you're showing up not knowing what to bring, bringing your whole army. You know, all those things everybody's been complaining about. Let's just avoid that running with Clash comp. Um, let's say uh, bring 1,600 to 2,000 points for Kings of War. And uh, 300 points for Infinity. How's that sound? Anything else? I got no idea. Um, but for those three games, I'm throwing it out there. Bring that much. And this way, everybody who's showing up will, uh, you know, have something similar so that the games can get going. Uh, meanwhile, guys, thanks for listening to my rambling and back to the show. And we are back, 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 back with the News and Rumors segment. Jeez, uh, dude, tons of stuff has come out. Have you guys been, uh, I know you guys picked up something today. Didn't you guys pick up the Celestin Prime? Yes, and he's awesome. Now, how big is he compared to Nagash? Uh, Nagash, I'd say, is probably head and shoulders taller. Um, about, he's closer to Glotkin size, if you figure the height and kind of the footprint of him. Oh, okay. 
Um, his actual body, though, is closer to a regular Stormcast Eternal. It's just all the wings and swirls that make him bigger, obviously. All I right. thought he was going to be closer to Nagash, but he's a lot shorter, actually. Okay. I think he's on a, um, maybe an 80, maybe a 100-millimeter round base. Okay. I, I just I looked at it, and it's gorgeous. And, man, his rules are brutal. He's awesome. Yeah, I think he's going to make his way into Andrea's list pretty quick. Oh, no, oh absolutely. I'm already rewriting my list for the Michigan GT in a couple of weeks to put him in. The the lightning bolt you can call down that just can hit bunches of units if they're too close to each other. Um, the longer he stays off the board, the more attacks he gets with Galmaraz. Yeah, it's an additional two attacks for every battle run that he is not on the board. Yeah. And he starts with two, so, so you coming in, him in second turn, yeah, four. Yeah, you don't bring there. him in turn one, four, so suddenly he's... Uh, if, and if, if you really don't need him, if he stays up till turn three, on turn three he's suddenly got six attacks for the next four turns. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Dropping the bravery of other surrounding models from enemy units. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just fantastic. And it, it's a gorgeous model. I really like it. Um, you know what? I'm, I, I hate to say it because I know everyone's just going to say, well, whatever, of course you do, fanboy. I really like the Stormcast Eternals. They have totally grown. I like Space Marines, though. So, I mean, you know, and I know they're not the same, but personally, I'm sold on them. Like, I've got the box set, and uh, Harrison really likes them. He likes to play them, and uh, I think think that's an army that's going to start to grow if he keeps playing because they're just cool. I actually really like them as well. I kind of was, at first, because I... At the end of 8th edition, I was heavy into Warriors of Chaos and heavy into my demon army um, for the last year or so. And I was like, okay, Corn Bloodbound, I'm going to stick with these guys. They look pretty cool, but I'm kind of not the biggest fan of those models. And I know a lot of people are, and they are really, really cool looking, but um, it's kind of had me leaning towards my death army. So I've been playing death for most of my games, and that's what I'm preparing for. Okay. So with that said, I mean, I do really like the Stormcast stuff, especially um, Andrea's got her stuff painted up to match her old Empire army, and it looks really good, fully painted. Yeah, they're really cool. They are really cool. Um, It just, you know, at first I was, like, not certain. I'm like, they're completely armored. I don't know if I like them. And I knew I didn't like the paint job. Seeing them with more, like, looking more like armor and less gold, I was like, okay, those look a lot better. But the more I see people painting them up all gold and shiny, and I'm looking at the book and reading the fluff, I'm like, I kind of like them gold and shiny. It's just like... That's <laughs> the, the dwarf in you. It's okay. You know what gold it is? Gold and shiny. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely is. Um, but I just think they're really cool. But, dude, okay, how about uh, all the chaos... Uh, the chaos... Um, what do you call it? Chaos Dreadhold stuff that's come out. I uh, I've seen pictures of the scale of that stuff and it is huge. Is it? I mean, it seems pretty big. I mean, they're not cheap. I was thinking of getting Skull Keep. Um, I don't know by the name which one is which. Skull Keep uh, is the one that looks like the regular, the like the. It's just the tower. It's just the square okay. enough tower like that. I think. You know. I think that is the picture I saw um, standing or like stood up next to the new Bloodthirster, and it was. Half again as tall as the Bloodthirster, Ooh. so it was big. It was really big. So I'm wondering how because I mean it's not the stuff is not cheap, and I am not one to complain about the prices. I mean I you know hey, I knew getting into this hobby that it wasn't cheap, and I'm not one to sit there and complain, you know. Um, but I'm looking at the list here, and you've got the just the basic section of walls twenty five bucks. The wall expansion set is a hundred bucks with a big old chunk of wall. 
Um, that Skull Keep is seventy five bucks. The Malefic Gates are a hundred bucks, and um, then there's all sorts of variation on it. There's the Bastion, which is like uh, it looks like a it's the it's the 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 little Skull Keep, the tower with a bit of wall and some stairs. That's like a hundred. It all goes all the way up to that Fortress of Grim Corruption, which is eleven hundred dollars. <laughs> That's that's crazy. I mean, it's gorgeous, but I mean, that's just crazy. I, I can't spend eleven hundred dollars on terrain. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at least not at once. I yeah, mean, exactly. if I went and added up all the terrain I have, it might be something like that. But that was built over years, right? And it's not just one big piece. I mean, of course, based on the size you're saying, I mean, that thing probably would take up most of your board. You know, if you want to play a siege game, that might be cool. But still, you know what's funny is I'm on the website right now and. uh the one for eleven hundred twenty is there. The one that's just slightly smaller, the Eternal Realm Fort, the one that's only nine hundred eighty three dollars, sold out. Wow, that is wow. You know, <laughs> those are the people who really want it. And they're like, dude, I can't buy that eleven hundred dollar one. No way. The nine hundred eighty three dollar one. There you go. Click. It's like one down. My conscience is assuaged. <laughs> well, a lot of people that listen to this show. They're, they're probably the majority of the people that play Warhammer. They build armies over time, but a lot of people that listen to this show go to tournaments. Those are the type of people that are like, "I want a new army for this event." Click, six hundred dollars for an entire new army. Sure. I mean, every, how, how many times when a book comes out, do you have someone who buys an, a whole new army and paints it up in three weeks? It's. Um, you might have a couple of them on this call right well, now. Yeah, yeah, I know about that. Yeah, but. You guys, you guys are a very unique and special case. The the couple that both plays, I mean, I could not tell my wife, "Hey, I want to get a whole new army for this." And you know, even if I would paint it in two weeks and be ready to play, she'd be like, "Are you crazy?" You know, uh, but you tell her, "Hey, I want to buy this," and she'd be like, "Okay, if I can buy that." And it's just like, "Well, really, there you go." You know, well, now we have two armies coming in the door. One quick note to <laughs> the last two armies that we like bought on impulse and fully painted up really quick. Uh huh. Were both Andrea's armies? Oh, that was after though your eight thousand points of undead army for Wapaka though. Yes, but that was not the last two armies, which was the point that I was making. <laughs> how Dollar points? wise, it kind of evened how, out. What's the, what's the point value on those two armies, Andrea? I'm just curious. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it did. Um, what twenty five hundred of Empire, and then two starter boxes for Age of Sigmar, plus the new big guy, plus two. Boxes of big hammer dudes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I and and uh, Lord Celestin. Yeah. Or the whatever the, the new angel guy Celestin is. Celestin Prime. Prime. 80, 80 bucks. So people of course, saying, Prime. People have been saying they think he's, uh, he might be Carl Franz, but I don't see how he can be. I was talking I, about this. I, I haven't read page by page into the fluff, but I, I saw somebody post online. He's an old war, or he's um, a king he's a, of like old. A king, yeah. And I think in the new era, not um, the old world. Right, and plus, I mean, I, I, I know I was talking. I think Rotor brought this up. He was telling me that you know, hey, you know, Carl Franz died and came back. It was Sigmar in Carl Franz's body. Carl Franz is no more. Even. At that point, when he was running around as Carl Franz, it was Sigmar using his body. So, I so mean, is that Carl Franz ascended is actually Sigmar in his body? Yeah, basically. That's the whole thing. He was Sigmar, but he didn't realize he was Sigmar or something because... He didn't um, have Galmaraz. Yeah, once he got Galmaraz, it's like, boom, hey, oh, that's right. It's like Thor when he doesn't have his hammer for too long and he turns into that wimpy guy with the crutch. <laughs> 
at least in the comic books, because you know in the movies he just you know walks around all the time, you know. <laughs> yeah. Good and, yeah. So. Hey, I'm a semi-professional bodybuilder, but yeah, this is me when I'm not a superhero. <laughs> yep. Uh, and his poor brother. I'm the Hunger Games guy that gets rejected for PETA. So. <laughs> oh, boy. But, yeah, I mean, oh, and then the Chaos Dreadhold, the $33 80-page book for all the different formations and rules for all of your all of your um, Chaos Dreadhold bits. Now, I believe that, that, that the, if the Chaos Dreadhold, I mean, part of the reason that's the big push, I think that's where Galmaraz is. I haven't finished reading the oh, Galmaraz that book, sense. but that's the dread hole where it was that they blow up to get Galmaraz. So that's where you've got all your scenarios coming and things like that. I have not picked up that book yet, only because I haven't picked up any of the terrain yet. So yeah. uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's only. I'm interested to read books. that book for sure. I'm yeah. I, I'm definitely a guy that buys a lot of Games Workshop stuff, but for something like this, it's something that I would like to read before I buy it. And I'm definitely interested in checking that out. I want to see some of the terrain rules that are in there. Yeah, dude, I mean, I've got a lot of the terrain. I've bought almost one of everything that they've come out with so far. Um, just because I kind of like the looks of it. And it's kind of cool with all the neat different rules and things you can do and stuff like that. Plus, you need a ton of terrain on the board you know, for, you know, when we've been playing. That was the one thing that made it a lot better with Chris and I is not having just giant open areas of terrain. Definitely, yeah. We've, and, we've uh, been playing very uh, 40K-ish terrain setups where it's almost like you fill a quarter of the board like uh completely with terrain but then you split spread it out across the board just to, for terrain uh saturation yeah i think when chris and i played we had uh something like 12 or 14 pieces of terrain on the board i mean i had like three forests two hills uh a couple of buildings um, the the realm gates that I bought. I mean, we just started piling it all in there, so that way you had to move to get around everything. I think by the rules, the few rules that there are, um, about nine pieces. But I've I found myself using more than that, similar to you guys, using twelve pieces, using fourteen pieces. Well, I know in the rules you roll for every two by two square, so there's six die rolls for the board, and it can be up to three pieces per section. So you could technically. If you got all the perfect rolls, have 18 pieces of terrain on the board. Sounds good to me. You don't have to convince me twice. Hey, I like it with more terrain. That's the way to keep... Everybody says, oh, you know, I don't want to shove my models in the middle and have one big lump. Well, you know, there's it, a... Uh, yeah, I fixed yeah, that it, problem. It, it definitely separates the armies more. It looks better. Um, it protects you from shooty armies, which are definitely one of the things you have to really kind of keep an eye on so they don't get too out of hand. It's, I think it's a lot, a lot better all around. Yeah, and it's and it just it looks great. Like even Chris, when he played his one game of it on the last episode, he's like, it really does look cool with all this terrain on the board and the guys moving around all this stuff. So I like it. I'm all for it. I'm on board. Then again, I'm a fanboy, and nobody cares what I think. So uh, let's see what else. Oh, no word on the next book, which I'm surprised because you know it's been three weeks. I mean, why not have another big eighty dollar book? But um, we've got the two big books of fluff. We've got the book of scenarios, for, or uh, we got the Chaos Dreadhold book, and three Black Library books. And actually, if you go to the Black Library website, they've got eight short stories that you can get in an e-bundle for like 25 bucks. So there's plenty of fluff out there coming out for for this. Um, have you guys read any of that stuff? Or I know you don't read any fluff, Riley, because you just you just <laughs> look at it and say, what's, what, what, what's the filthiest, and I'm going to go with that, and you know. 
I was going to make a change. I was going to start reading the fluff, and that lasted for one book. I I got the the first uh, large book and skimmed through it, and I read the full book that came with the starter box, and I kind of I kind of trailed off after that. Gates of Azir is not bad, and it's only like 130 pages. It's a small book. That's not bad. We're going to be covering that in the. Uh, I think uh, uh, my buddy Christian from California, he's been reading the books. So we're going to cover the the big book and uh, that uh, Gates of Azir, the Black Library book that goes with it next episode. I, I was really hoping that would come out on Audible, but I don't think they have any books on Audible. Yeah, you know, they no, they don't do it on Audible. They only do it through Black Library, and you have to buy their CDs or their downloads, their MPs. Yeah, they, they want all the money. Yep. <laughs> they, yeah, all it's the monies. Yeah, and unfortunately, because I would totally spend my Audible credits on that. Yeah, I, I work ten to twelve hours a day, and I listen to audiobooks and podcasts. So that yeah. I would that's that would uh, definitely be something I would pick up. Well, I know my next two months credits are already spent um, because uh, end of this month, uh, Larry Correa's got a new uh, uh, he's got a fantasy trilogy he's starting. Son of the Black Sword comes out on Audible on the 29th. And then in October, uh, The Aeronauts Windless, the new series by Jim Butcher, starts. And that comes out on Audible. Nice. So, yeah, I, I listen to a lot for both those guys. Yeah. So I am I am totally psyched and ready for those two. I'm like, oh, I got my next two books all picked out. So ready to go with that. Um, have you guys heard anything? Is there anything else that you know of or have heard of coming out? And I, I didn't get to Unique Gifts and Games today, so I didn't even get today's White Dwarf. So I don't even know what's up for pre-order for next week or what's going on. I have been uh, so slammed at work the last couple of weeks that uh, I've almost been Twitter black for the last couple of days. It's just it's been bad. And I'm training a new guy at work, so I, I have not been on the Twitters to see all of the rumors or trying to get any uh, – new pictures of new models or previews or anything. Right. And I know, see, here we go. And yeah, because that stuff, the actual issue of the magazine doesn't technically come out till tomorrow. The website has nothing like it's still. Yeah. There's no pre-order unless there is no pre-order this week. Let's see. New releases. I'd be surprised at the rate that things are coming out. If there's nothing next week. Yeah. I don't see on the website unless they're updating it right now. There is nothing. You know what? This. I did see something. I saw a picture of, um, I think it's the prosecutors, the the angel guys with the wings. Right. I saw one with a bow, Ooh. kind of kind of like the uh, I think judicators or justicars yep. or whatever they're called. Judicators. Yeah, like the bows with those guys. I saw one of those big angels with a bow. That's what we need. We need <laughs> we need the flyers <laughs> to have some some range shooting. That's gonna be vicious. Yeah. So instead of throwing hammers, they can deep strike even further away and shoot you with bows. Oh jeez. I like it. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm so excited. I really am. I'm, you know what? It's like, I've been playing a little bit more and I've been playing with Harrison. Um, some of the guys that I used to play with who were playing right at the beginning of eighth and sort of dropped off. They've come back. Some guys at the local game store, my buddy, Chris Dalton, uh, he's been playing a bunch. In fact, he picked up my, uh, my extra, uh, terror Geist. He's like, oh, I'm building this up. I got to get it on a round base. I'm, I can't wait to play. I'm like, you've been playing. He's like, oh, I've been really liking Age of Sigmar. So I'm like, good. We're kind of getting a group together, and um, they've been trying out the different comps. Him and his friends that they've been finding. So we're gonna we're gonna give a. Uh, he's, he hasn't tried the the clash comp yet. 
So he's we're gonna have a game trying that uh, pretty soon. So I'm just I'm just excited because it, there's there, there's more people around here starting to pick it up. So I have more people than Harrison to play with, which I was really worried about because Grant likes it, but it doesn't love it. And now he's been playing Infinity like crazy. Oh yeah, uh, Chris Yu is pretty much straight up Infinity, you know, and. Um, I mean, like, like my friend Luke is—he's playing, you know, and he's playing pretty much the, the stuff from the uh, from the starter box he's got going on, but playing big armies like and some of the, you know, some of the um, legacy armies and stuff, having bigger stuff to play. Um, I'm finding finding people to do that who's not just Harrison, and so I mean, not that I don't, not that I don't want to play with Harrison, but it's nice to have more than one opponent. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm just I'm super excited about the way things are going right now with what's coming out. I'm I'm a little impatient. I want to see the other realms and what's going on because it does have me in a bit of a hobby limbo. Like I'm working on some of the new stuff, but I mean I I don't think I'm the only one. Like the elves and the ogors and the uruks and the duarden. Like what are they going to look like? Is it just the dwarf list with a new name, or are there going to be changes? Or you know what I'm saying? Like. I think that stuff needs to come out fast. They need to get going on that and really grab people who are either on the fence or have already jumped ship and try to get them back. Exactly. And that's my concern is it's like I I understand you can only come up with stuff so fast, but at least get us a book. I mean, seriously, one of these big books and just are, you know, a Nagash style book. Give me a Nagash style book that's mostly text and not pictures. I think they have it. I, if they really wanted to, they could drop all of that stuff on us. But it's it's a business decision to trickle it out because they sell more models that way. That's the reason why they changed their policy from dropping entire armies to doing it weekly. Um, it just it's apparently sells more stuff. Right, and that I, mean, I don't have a problem with that. I'm saying give me a book that details all the realms. Let me know at least what these new people are, where the changes have come in. You know what I'm saying? So at least I can get excited for it and I can start thinking about it and looking toward it. You know, um, just because right now they've got all these other races that they just don't have models for. And, I mean, maybe they do have models for it. Maybe that's where all the old armies are going to eventually go into. But until they do that, I'm in a weird place. Like I don't know what to do. I mean, I, I know I'm not the only one who feels this way. Yeah, I mean, even new art showing what the uh, what the new guys look like to see if there's a, a change in style for undead. See if there's a change in style for orcs or yeah. oryx or however I mean, I, I it a, moves forward. Yeah, I have a feeling that a lot of the stuff that came out in the last. I mean, I don't think they're going to change the dwarfs that much, even though they're Duarden. You know, I mean, m- the stuff that has been done new, like they didn't redo the slayers. I noticed. And now they've got this, if you read about it, there's this whole race of the fire dwarfs who, you know, um, and they if, st- they have, if they have entire units of those guys, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking that, but I'm thinking that the stuff that they already just, that they've, the, the new stuff that they've come out with, I think is going to stay the same. You know, that's, I have a, I have a feeling. Um, you see the stuff they've been doing even with the uh, Sylvaneth. They're just, they're incorporating a lot of that stuff. That's what was really cool about Quest for Galmaraz is I'm, you know, I'm looking at the, all these chaos incursions, and they brought in the Glotkin, and they brought in all of the smaller guys, the other ones, the the Morbidex, and you know, all those guys. You know the 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 smaller ones. Everything that came out during the end times, all those models have been incorporated into their their armies, and they're being used in the books now. 
Um, which just leads me to believe that that stuff was already planned out to be part of this new stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, especially with anything chaos, you can get sucked into the warp and appear in 40K. It, it does not matter. Right. Um, but it is interesting to see some of the more um, kind of immortal characters, like the elves, obviously, who somehow made it through this and are in this world. And I, I want to hear how they made it through and uh, kind of where they came from as far as Age of Sigmar goes. Yeah, I've got some theories on that. I'm gonna, talk, well, but I'm saving that for when we talk about what's going on in the book and the different realms and all that stuff because there's a lot of weird things going on here, and I don't know how much of it is supposed to be because that stuff. If you read that, I mean, you said you read the first book. That first book reads like like a like a religious text almost. It's very flowery words and very short things, and there seems to be a lot of allusions to weird things and a lot of uh, symbol sim, symbolic stuff that might not necessarily be literal. And uh, so I've I've got some ideas, but I'm just like I said I'm 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 interested to see what they do because they need to get it out there, they really do. That's just my opinion though. So yeah, I agree. I I think it needs to get out there to to keep people interested. Yeah, because right now I mean there's there's you see these tournaments that are happening that are successful. I mean Holy Wars is sold out now, and that's going to be all Age of Sigmar. Um, the the Clash. Uh, went apparently really well um, Clash of Swords over in the UK and people are starting I think to realize you, you know yes it needs comp nobody's saying it doesn't but if you're willing to work within that you seem to, it seems you can still have a competitive game so I'm excited to see where things go in fact I've got uh, uh, Rafaza uh, Harbinson and uh, Mo Ashraf are going to be on the show later um, I'm actually going to be talking to them tomorrow and through the magic of time travel. They'll all be on the same you know, same episode when we put it together. But they're going to come on talking from a player's perspective and from the TO's perspective about how Clash went. So I'm super excited about this episode. Yes, you do not have to pause and then listen tomorrow to get them. <laughs> nope, I'm just getting up tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. to talk to the people in the U.K. So, And then we'll put it all together for you. So. You know what, let's take a second break, and when we come back, uh, we'll run through the toolbox and then get to our main topic. How's that sound with you guys? Sounds good. All Sounds right. good. We'll be back in a moment, folks. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back. Back, 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 back to the back, toolbox. Back to the toolbox. <laughs> Brought to you by Chaos Ox Stoop Store. Come on, Brad. Say it. 
Gashawk Superstar. Gashawk Superstar. There we go. See, there you go, guys. Don't be shy. Everybody loves Gashawk Superstar. Who doesn't say it along with it when it comes back? <laughs> yeah, I, I pretty much do every time. <laughs> uh, I, just, I love it. I just had the idea for the commercial just to keep saying it and throwing it in at different, different pitches and tones like lots of people were saying it. Christopher hated it so much, and I didn't realize how much he hated it when I did it. And then when the, when I did the commercial and put in the commercial, he was so angry. But then people kept saying how much they loved it, and people would actually start saying it with me. And he's like, I, "Okay, I, I give up. It's so stupid, but you win." I was just like, "I didn't realize it was it, like it, it actually got him angry because he's like, it's so stupid." I'm like, "I like it." But hey, listen, and hey, might as well throw this out there. Um, New Castlework Superstore is do they have tons of stuff now for all the different gaming systems, not just Warhammer. They've got a lot of Warhammer stuff, but don't forget, folks. Uh, they've got, he's got a ton of Infinity. He's got a bunch of Kings of War. He's got Wrath of Kings. So if you're branching out into all different sort of areas, give him a, you know, I mean, he's been a, a faithful sponsor of the show, one of the earliest sponsors we've had. And um, so any any uh, any business you guys can give him, please mention the show. <laughs> It'd be nice um, just to let him know that you heard about it here so that way he knows that uh, his sponsorship is not being wasted. But uh, he's a really good guy. Andrew's a great guy, too. I mean, have you guys ever gotten anything from him? No, we usually stick to our local stores. I actually do very little mail order uh, for anything, even for better prices. I didn't think so. And plus, I know you have no patience to wait. You want it with the day it comes out. You guys are there. Uh, usually a day or two before it comes out, yeah. <laughs> but I know a well, bunch of people who have said, who listen to the show, have said they've ordered from I know uh, Hastings has ordered from there, and I Grant's ordered from there. And... Um, yeah, I see pictures of their uh, their logo all the time on people's orders, posting new toys on Twitter. I mean, he's you know what he's he's fast, he's really courteous, and he's willing to work with anybody if there's any sort of problem or error. I just I love the guys. I can't say enough about them. But all right, so we're done with that. So uh, let's see. You guys listen. You know the toolbox things. If you guys have either of you been doing any reading of anything interesting? I am. Uh, I'm listening. Audiobooks on- count. To audiobooks. Yeah, I restarted the Dresden series. Like I said, I work 10, 12 hours a day, and I, I go through a book every couple of days. So um, I, I've listened to Wheel of Time a few times. The whole it or not. series? Yeah, I, I, I've done it two full times, and I started my third, and then I switched back to Dresden. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I, work, I work a lot. <laughs> That's why I'm on Twitter all day, because I, I work on a computer with uh, multiple monitors set up all over the place. Oh, is that how that works? <laughs> yeah, like I'm working on one, and like I see messages pop up, I can just click over and 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 read them real quick. So nice. That's nice. it, uh, really, for as far as reading goes. Uh, I don't almost ever anymore sit down with a book. It's been a long time. I'm never anywhere without a book. There's always I've either got a book in my bag when I'm out, where I go to work, or there's a book in my car. I've always got something with me. I have audio books in my phone, but I've always got a a book with me. Yeah, I think it's been since uh, the full Game of Thrones series have I not read a book. Well, unfortunately, I have to get them because if I'm doing After Olinor with those books, I, you know, they're pretty much unedited or just or unabridged, you know, in yeah. notes and stuff. It's on paper. But how about you, Andrea? Listening or reading anything? Not really. Um, last I was listening to was the uh, Monster Hunter series, the uh, Nemesis book, but then we had a... Audible put out a weird um, update for 
um, iPhones and all of a sudden I can't log in. So I got to get it fixed and then I'll probably finish listening to that one and either oh, you restart haven't it. it yet. No, I haven't. Oh, it's, it's so good. You've listened to it, Brad, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite one out of all of them. It is so good. You know what's great? And I know some it, Larry Correa gets to be a bit of a hot button issue because of the Hugos and stuff. In fact, when I posted that his interview um, and I posted it up on the Facebook page, I had some guy like literally within an hour of me post like he couldn't even listen to it like he's like nope i hate this guy i'm sorry i can't support your show anymore and he like wow. and he like like left the group left the page left after olinor like left it all it was like i hate you now i'm like okay there are a lot of people in our hobby and i guarantee you there are a lot of people that have conflicting or even opposite political views and that this is not the place for that. So I think sometimes you just need to let other people have their opinions and roll some dice. Yeah. And I mean, heck, I know. I know. I am one of the more conservative people you'll ever meet. But I, like you said, I just had him on because if anyone listened to that, interview, first of all, it's great. Second of all, oh yeah, uh, the first half of it, I mean, dude, he's, he, he, he's, and he's into privateer press models, but damn he paints a lot and he paints pretty well too he's a hobbyist and a gamer I, I think that's pretty cool that he's he's a hobbyist and is into this stuff too dude he puts his stuff up on cool mini with like under other names and i, I believe he's gotten in the high eights really that's pretty nice. cool that he's that good yeah so yeah well, i mean he probably sits around all day and writes and paints yeah but nemesis was great and you know it's a great book when a guy whom you've hated for four books, stuff starts happening to this person and makes you feel weepy. And I don't mean Frank's. I mean his boss. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I felt weepy for this guy. Like, I literally, well, I'm like, I've hated you for four books. You're stupid. Take me out to the ball game ringtone. You're a bad suit. Like, everything, you know. And I've just Take hated me you. out to the ball game ringtone. That's <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. I you, do, yep. yeah. And I've just hated everything about this guy. And then you read this and you're like, oh, I've misjudged this guy. Like, oh, I feel so bad now. What a, what a fantastic uh, uh, book. I'm so I, That's one that I, I hope goes on for quite some time because there's so much good stuff going on in that, in that series. Yeah, yeah my friend uh, Chad locally, we would text each other back and forth because we were kind of – right about the same place listening to books like oh man did you see this oh don't spoil it <laughs> oh i was i saw him at i saw larry Cree at gen con and he was talking about writing for these things and he was talking about writing that book he goes part of the problem he had was franks doesn't like anybody and doesn't like to speak so he said he would write franks's dialogue then he would go back and cut half of it out and then he would read it, and then he would go back and cut out half of that again <laughs> so literally you've got him going from two sentences to three words like half of his stuff and yeah um, instead of a full response he just responds no no <laughs> he's uh, oh and then when he has to ask them for help and 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 you've got you've got z just like taunting him i'm just like oh my god Probably best part in that book, though, and then we'll move on because I'm sorry, you get me off on these tangents. I love this. Best part in that book is where MHI is deciding whether or not to take that bounty. <laughs> yeah, they're all sitting around the round table yeah. talking about and it. And Z's just like, are you all insane? <laughs> it's Frank's. <laughs> He'll kill us all. It's like we have no chance. <laughs> and there's some respect there because I remember even reading the first book. I'm like, okay, here it goes. And then Frank just decimates him like it's not even a thing. And I'm like, 
what? What's going on now? What? I'm like, oh, this is good. But I, yeah, yeah. this was probably bad to bring up because we're both into them as well. It's pretty easy to get on a tangent. Yeah, we're totally off. So I'm going to just jump in. Okay, my reading. Off tangent, no spoilers. Yeah, my reading stuff. Uh, I'm reading the new stuff for AOS because I'm doing the review next episode. And I started reading Tales of Heresy for After Ulanor because we're recording Mechanicum right now. And rather than wait, I want to get ahead on the books because literally it's been all, this is the first actual book we reviewed in like five months because we've had real life getting in and. I just don't want to wait that long between books anymore, so that's what I've been reading. All right, let's go into hobby. I know you guys have been doing a lot of hobby, so what have you guys been doing? Um, oh, my God, so much. I don't have time <laughs> for it. Uh, not to mention I'm playing way too many video games with Domus, so I'm not doing any of it. Domus um, is such a bad influence. Well, <laughs> we, we kind of go back and forth. Yep. Like I started playing some WoW, and I got him back into WoW, and he spent way too much time, so he had to quit. So, Oh, I know. It's totally you. I've seen you like drag him back, and I've watched this happen slowly over Twitter. Which well, is he'll why text I'm just, me, like, you son of a... And, which is why I'm blaming it on Domus, because I know it's totally your fault. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been trying to work on my death army for Age of Sigmar, because I decided to focus on uh, basically the most recent army that I put a whole bunch of time into. So I've got Nagash going on round bases and zombies and crypt horrors and um, I'm kind of leaning away from my chaos stuff. So I have a lot of uh, undeath and death stuff to rebase and fix up before the Michigan GT coming up late this month. And uh, we also have an uh, Infinity ITS tournament at the same event. So I've got basically two systems I need to finish armies for real quick. Ouch. You know the best thing about the Vampire Counts Army now that you can, that, that you, you know bringing these armies in is a three corpse cart ninety zombie army is totally viable now. <laughs> that is pretty amazingly effective <laughs> if you compare it to how it used to look. Like I said, man, I've all you know me. I've always been the zombie horde player, and I it's like I feel like Wayne Kemp now that rat ogres are good. It's like, oh, my zombie army is now filled. Yes. I, I have a corpse cart and a bunch of zombies in my tournament list. What does that tell you? Dirty. <laughs> oh, boy. So how about you, Andrea? Besides the uh, Celestant Prime, what are you doing? Um, I finished up all the rest of my Stormcast Eternals for the Michigan GT. Um, that was probably maybe like 30 of those guys. So they're painted, based, flocked, ready to go. Um, I've got to do the prime, and then I need to finish a uh, 300 point for the ITS Infinity event as well. Nice. And at some point, I'd like to start working on the train for that, but that's kind of a last minute, worry about it later kind of thing because it's just for the house. I have to thank you, Brad, for that 300 point list you gave me for the uh, Pano, by the way. Uh, if there's one thing I like doing, it's writing army lists, so I'm all about it. <laughs> I tell you what, I'm not. I don't get all the rules yet. Like I totally don't understand all the stuff with hacking and all this stuff. But that last game I played, you gave me that guy with that Spitfire. Oh, the guard, the assalto. Yes, with the with the little with the little robot with him. He takes out on turn one. He takes out one guy, and wounds another. The my opponent brings a doctor in from off the board, heals the guy that I that I that I shot and wounded and had him down. Um. And then I run forward, and I spent a bunch of actions, but that guy took out a sniper, the doctor, the guy the doctor healed, and two other two other dudes in that in that second turn. He he's my um, 
must-have model, I would almost say, in my list because he's such a, a huge role filler. He's the only no-viz smoke model available to Pan-O, so I use him for that. Right. But he's also got the Spitfire, which is great. His Oxbot um, support with smoke and l- giving him lines to move forward. He freaking has a heavy flamethrower, too. So they're like, okay, he's got a Spitfire. I'm going to get close. No, I have a heavy flamer. Yeah, no, it's it's brutal. I didn't even realize that's how good it was. Like I was just playing, and I was like, "Oh my god, I can do what?" And um, oh, I just I love I really I I had so much fun with that. I have so much fun playing that list. Like I haven't played any other list because I don't really know how to build a list. I just like you know what I got these twelve models, and I'm everyone's like only twelve models for three hundred points. I'm like, yeah, these ten guys and their two ox bots. I'm I'm content. And oh, yeah. every game I play, I'm in it. I've I've either won them or like lost in the last die roll with that list. So. And really, I mean, if you get other models and switch out stuff, it's pretty similar. It's just minor alterations. So it's not like you're missing out on, like, huge aspects of tactics or different themes with the entire faction. Um, There's some different crazy stuff you can do, but it's all pretty similar, just different tools to do the job. No, it's great. It's fantastic. I like it. So thank you so much with that. Yeah, no problem. Um, Yeah, my hobbying has been clearing out the billion unopened boxes of models that's literally what i've done for the past two weeks is take things emailing back and forth and i was before i got on the phone with you i was going through all my cart i've been saving every box from every package that has come into my house for the last couple of weeks like can i fit it in here can i fit it in here so i'm packing up to take to the post office in the morning so that's it for me yeah we've been doing a little of that too we got rid of uh an entire army of unpainted dark elves that we have not really played a single game with, maybe a couple practice games with. And then uh, I'm, I'm thinking about moving my uh, chaos stuff since I'm focusing on, on, on death and I has, still have Skaven in the background. You're never going to get rid of them, Skaven. That's your army. Yeah, they are, they are here for life, so they're stuck. Yep, yep. That's cool. I, I, I get that feeling between my VC and my dwarfs. It's like, I don't even know why I bought all this other stuff at this point, you know. But, um, all right, last thing, the other. You guys have any other, anything, podcast you listen to, movies you saw, anything that is worth mentioning that hobbyists and fan fandoms might, uh, might want to know about? I actually am uh, starting an Infinity podcast. I was waiting and, that. That's what I was hoping you would mention. If you weren't going to, I was going to. Yeah. Uh, me, uh, Randy Glenn, and Grant Fetter are starting a beginner-friendly Infinity podcast called Personal Flash Paper. And uh, the reasoning behind that name is that's like uh, like a, um, a news zine in the human sphere. That's one of the names of one of the uh, the news broadcasts. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hoping to be. I don't want to be too presumptuous, but I would say it's almost a, a garage hammer ish infinity podcast where it's beginner friendly and we will delve into some advanced topics. And honestly, uh, they need one because MayaCast yeah. is interesting. I don't know what the hell those guys are talking about. I I do love listening to MayaCast, but it is it's very technical, which is one of the the very main reasons that I listen to podcasts. I look for that. Um, but I think there's definitely an audience for uh, beginner-friendly as well. Well, that's my thing. As a new player, it's like I enjoy listening to it. I know I'd get a lot out of it. Like, it's a quality show. But I don't know half of what the hell they're talking about. And I wish I did. And so I've been hoping that someone would come out with someone. Like I said, I was because Grant told me about this just yesterday. And uh, 
I was like, you know, I, like we like when we started, we had Garage 101, going through the different phases, going through everything, so that new players can 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 get a hold, and hopefully there's something there for people who have some experience. And uh, I am looking forward to seeing what you guys do because I need that help. I'm I'm yeah. the guy who needs your show. Yeah, Randy uh, and uh, Grant and I have been talking on Twitter a bunch uh, about different topics and how we're going to start it, and it's going to be geared towards beginner players uh once you open your starter box how do you get that to a tournament and uh cracking on rules and we're probably gonna be looking through the rule book wondering what the heck stuff does and we're hoping people correct us so we can uh do the same thing and be like hey this is the right rule this is how we played it let us know what's going on excellent i am excited for that i am not and i'm not just uh i'm not joking around um i'm looking forward to that absolutely I've been playing a little less Infinity lately than I would like, and I think it's a great excuse to force me to play some games. <laughs> yeah, because that's what you need. You need an excuse to play, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So how about you, Andrea? Anything interesting? Um, I've just been... You know what? I'm listening to all the podcasts that have been coming out recently talking about everybody's AOS experience from the initial shock and awe of when this came out to, okay, it's been about a month and a half now, almost two months. So people have played games and they're either, they're all behind it. Kind of like you are kind of like we are, or people are still trying to figure it out, but it seems like, um, it seems like it's going pretty well for the most part. You know, a lot of people are digging it and if not, they've moved on to something else, but, um, I'm liking this. I'm liking listening to everybody now, their progression on how they are going in the hobby with this now going forward, I guess. Yeah, it's it, it's. I think it's pretty exciting times. Um, you know, I mean, if if people who are enjoying it are really enjoying it, and you're starting to see things take shape, you're starting to see this game take shape because, like I said, yeah. I mean, I think we all know, and we'll get into that in the next segment. The four pages leave something to be desired. I mean, it's a nice frame, but it's you know you got to have a conversation with your opponent before you go within that frame because otherwise things can get. What did the Skull Bros call it? Unintentional douchebaggery or something like that? Uh, <laughs> you know? Exactly. That's that's one of the things where I try my hardest to police myself on something like that because, God, does it feel crappy afterwards when you realize what you've done. And that's the thing. You know, I, you know. hey, look, I can take – you know, everyone's talking about the – what is it? The, 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 the broken combo, Kairos Fate Weaver and a, and a Screaming Bell or something like that or whatever that combo is that I don't even know what it is because I don't pay attention. And I was like, look, this is a, if I bring this, I automatically win. Okay, you know, there's a difference between freedom and license. You know what I'm saying? If you're playing a guy who's willing to say that there's a seven on a six-sided die, just let that guy win and play somebody else. And that's my point. Just because you can, it's a legal list. What's wrong with me taking it? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. You may have a license to do it, or you may have freedom to do it, but that doesn't mean you really should have the license to do it. That's my opinion, but. You know, I'm a guy who just, you know, I, I, I want to go and have a fun time. So that's my thing. But so let's see. Uh, do I have any other? Oh, there's the Mortal Realms podcast I started listening to. The A brand new Age of Sigmar podcast. Have you guys heard this one at all? I, I know of it. I've definitely seen them on Twitter. I already follow the guys that are on the cast because they're just some of the guys that I've always followed. So I'm going to have to look look into it real soon. I listened to it, and I liked it. I mean, it's only one episode, and I generally try not. I don't, I don't 
say too much about new podcasts. I, in fact, if I want to say something and, and sort of give them a plug, I usually wait to see if they get about ten episodes under their belt just to make sure they don't disappear because a lot of them do that too. Oh, plus the amount of improvement even over the first few episodes definitely improves the quality and makes it a lot easier to listen to. Right. I mean, you know, I've said it before. I mean, I've been doing this for five years, and five years ago, Christopher and I had eight, nine months of, of rough episodes and having fun with it, and, and you could get away with that when there was seven or eight podcasts out there. Now you don't have that kind of time. Um, but these guys, the first episode I liked a lot. I'm looking forward to the next episode. Like, I liked it, so I'm hoping they keep it going. Um, and, uh, you know, I know you've mentioned Randy. I know he shut down, uh, Lone Hammer, uh, and he's going to be doing that thing with you. I know Mark Cox and his buddies, Mark and Ryan, they've got the beer phase now. Um, uh, they're, you know, basically started their new podcast. Uh, there's a lot of AOS, a lot of AOS bashing in the first few episodes, especially when Rob Fanouf was on, but, uh, um, you know, it's still it's a gaming podcast, and I, I like Mark. Mark and I are good friends, Mark Cox, um, and I, I do enjoy that. So that one was that was fun. It's not bad, um, but that's pretty much all I've been doing with it. That's that's the newest stuff I've seen. So that's about that. So um, toolbox is over. You know what? Let's take our next break, and when we come back, AOS. What's up with that? Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night to Friday Night Magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. Issue. Andrea Schwann is here. Oh, damn. All right, we are back, back, back for some more Garage Hammer talking about Age of Sigmar. Yes, yes. So I, I wanted to have you guys on because, honestly, Brad, um, I was shocked 
that you were all that you wound up being all in on this? I tell you what, I was getting tired of Eighth Edition. I mean, I played through the beginning of Eighth Edition for the first two years. I literally played one, sometimes two tournaments every single month. Um, no joke. So I was getting pretty burnt out on it. Wow. That's, yeah, tw- yeah, 20 tournaments a year. Damn. I, I go well, to like I mean, three. <laughs> I started playing uh, right at the end of 7th edition and played one tournament in 7th edition. So when 8th rolled around, I was just kind of getting my wheels spinning. And uh, I was, believe it or not, a competitive person before Warhammer. So I wanted to be good at it. So you got to play to be good at it. There you go. No doubt. But uh, so, yeah, so you jumping in on a game that really came out as basically seemed like a frame, you know, where you were going to have to, especially here in the Midwest. I mean, I know people have I've gotten dude, I've gotten emails from people. I've literally been called a hypocrite. For really? for oh, liking for, this game. For the whole the whole comp aspect and not, of having and changed not it. from Midwest people. From people who have been promoting comp all this time. And who are now saying, I hate this game. And I'm like, I like it. They're like, oh, really? You're going to sit there and now you're going to promote comp after you sit there and, and, and tried to ruin 8th edition by promoting no comp. And you're going to criticize me for liking comp when you've liked comp and now you don't like Age of Sigmar, so you're also a hypocrite. It's a weird thing. And it's like I've gotten several emails from people mad at me for liking this. I've got, several, I've got a lot more from people saying, hey, keep, keep it up. Keep going. But um, it's just, I can, it's weird. I can completely understand their point of view because they don't like it. They don't like that their game has been destroyed. They want to see less support for it, whereas I think you should just let people game. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised. Now, there are certain people who, are very, who were very vocal all through 8th about how much they were annoyed with 8th and it needed comp and it was a terrible game. And this came out and they just sort of disappeared. And... You know, they went to go play other games, and they were just like, you know what, this sucks, I'm out. And they don't spend their time bagging on it. They're just like, hey, look, me and my friends are all out. Why should we sit around bashing it? We just found a new game. And Um, I can completely respect that because even before Age of Sigmar came out and before um, Warhammer died and all that, quote-unquote died, sorry, um, I was playing other games too. I I was a, a Malifaux henchman in first edition. I was playing Infinity in february um when end times was was basically rolling through so i mean i was doing all this before right um now i'm just maybe spending a little bit more time on those games yeah but so like i said obviously the game needs some comp to make it easier to go play with someone at this point at least in my group i can say hey let's play with the 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 clash comp the mo comp or uh, like I said, my friend Chris was like, hey, th- I found this comp. You want to give it a try? I said, sure. You know, and so it, at least there's something where we know when we're getting into it what we're doing, you know, because it does – it is difficult. I mean, you can just show up with your whole army with your friends and then sort of do that whole game where you're placing things and seeing what's going on. But I think still – I think this game just works better if you just throw in a few house rules and, and adjust it. Plus, because it's a completely new game – a, you sort of you got to try to put Eighth Edition out of your head. Uh, first couple of games I played, I was playing Eighth Edition style, and they went really poorly. And as more I've gotten into the AOS style of playing, and trying with those different strategies and those different tactics, it's become a much more fun game. Battle Line is dead. 
Would you guys agree with that? Uh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, scenarios are required to play this game, in my opinion. Yeah. And you, I mean, you've got to have something. The books are full of them. Um, you know, I mean, these, these last two big books came out. It's just fluff and scenarios, you know? Yeah. Like, like I said before, my two other games, Malifaux and Infinity, are scenario-driven games. And uh, those ideas ported over to Age of Sigmar, is, it makes for a really fun Warhammer experience. Absolutely. I was telling uh, my friend Luke about the different uh, scenarios they had in the, in the Clash Comp, where you have the three, uh, the three objectives, and after a certain turn, one of the left and right ones, one of them disappears. And they're that's like, pretty cool. They're like, you know that's a war machine uh, that's a war machine scenario. That's like a standard war machine scenario. It has been for a long time. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, wow. That's maybe that's where they got it. Whoever, because you know, I didn't see that in the in the GW books. That was just in their comp. Um, yeah. But- when when I wrote my scenarios for my tournament, um, that they're pretty much using some of them from the Michigan GT. I looked at 40k scenarios, primary, secondary, tertiary objectives, with uh, objectives markers scattered throughout the board, both. Uh, on your side and the opponent's side and having to move around, so. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and it, that's what makes it work. Um, heck, Alex Gonzalez, the last couple of years at Adepticon, the, the, the box in the middle of the table, getting the most fortitude into the box in the center, that, that death box is another war machine scenario. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and who cares? Like, who cares where it came from? If it works, it works. And these scenarios, you definitely... Uh, you definitely need them to play in this. It's uh, they're very story driven, and I like that. The thing that drew me to Malifaux was the first time I played, I wiped out my opponent to the man and lost the game. Because <laughs> that's great. Well, he finished his schemes, and I wasn't thinking about schemes. I was thinking, I want to kill that thing. Oh yeah, yeah, I've been there. And I was like, oh wait a minute, I-, I took my eyes off the prize, and I lost the game. And I like the games where the scenarios and the story suddenly take effect and now it's done that you can't do a you can't walk into a tournament and say okay we're gonna have six games of battle line where it's just my guys against your guys let's go at it it's just not gonna work and i i like the different stories and the different things like that so i think it's cool so and i i really think you need to sort of forget eighth edition to play this and have fun with it um and i mean hey dude i'm as sad as anybody that fantasy is is no longer a thing i mean i had projects lined up and ideas and things i want to do and i loved playing that game and i'm sad it's gone too but i got all this stuff and i got three kids i can't just get rid of it all and pour it over and start something completely new uh i had to at least give it a chance and i am so glad i did i'm sure you could trade at least one of those kids for a new army i probably could (laughs) you know kira and morgan are both really cute i could you know you, I could get a pretty. I could probably trade him for a Miata at the very least, and then sell that. <laughs> then Harrison's a super genius. I could just rent him out as a part-time accountant and probably make some money. So, fun fact: we actually don't have any kids because I would probably sell them for models. <laughs> it's true. We have to hold on tight to the dog sometimes. <laughs> Well, that's great. We just went into a whole weird area here. I'm selling my kids. I'm selling my kids into white slavery, and Brad won't have them because he's selling his animals. So, that's fantastic. They're going to shut my down my show pretty soon. Thank God my wife doesn't listen to this. Oh boy. So, all yeah, right. when it comes when it comes down to it, I uh, I play a lot of games. I'm easy. Um, 
I have a mindset where I can wipe the slate clean and learn new rules. So picking up Age of Sigmar from scratch, it's not a big deal for me to say, okay, forget 8th edition. This is a new game. I'm playing it as if it's a completely different game, which it is. Um, just like when I don't play Warhammer at Saturday nights at the GT, I play Infinity. It's not like I'm getting rules confused between the two games. Right. So, I mean, it was pretty easy for me to pick it up as a new rule set and then really try to focus on the ins and outs of that system, try to do what I always do and learn the rules better than the guy across the table from me so that I get an advantage. Do you think that this is an easier game for a new player to get into than, an, than a, someone who's been playing Warhammer for years? Absolutely. I think so, yeah. yeah. No, no hang-ups. No, uh, no bringing anything over. Um, in well, fact... Like I said, Harrison and I have told, I've said we've been playing the Clash Comp, and we've been putting adjustments into that and seeing how it works. One of the things that we've done, and it's never come up because we don't have the armies to do it, but uh, we've agreed that um, that idea that a one is one is always a miss, which is which is a, which is a house rule. It's not a regular rule. We threw that out. If you can get a one, you got a one. Good God bless you. I better I better build a well-rounded army and try to deal with it. Make sure I got some guys with some rend, some mortal wounds. Yep. To mortal wounds, something with rend. Also, the um, now we do measure base to base, but the uh, rolling to see who gets the next turn, like you know, rolling to you know, so you could get two turns in a row. Uh, we keep we we keep that in there too, because then you really got that could really destroy your game. Like it could throw the game way out of whack, but it makes you really think about where you're putting everything because it's not just you know. If I throw it all in there and it doesn't work, you know, if I get the next turn, it's cool. But it's, uh, if that guy's going next, if he can double turn me, you know, you don't want to leave yourself too exposed. There's a huge amount of tactics that's involved, a huge amount of strategy that's involved when you have to concern yourself with the fact that your opponent might get two turns in a row. I think that is definitely a core mechanic that needs to stay. Um, I think removing that is a bit of a knee-jerk reaction from someone who's hung up on 8th edition. Uh, I'll just say that. I, I think uh, I think if you're trying to learn the game at first, maybe saying, okay, we're not going to do this right now because sure, it yeah. can make it lopsided. But I think yeah. once you've got this game down and you've got the mechanics and you've got some of the better tactics down, that's, that is so much fun. I, I have so much fun playing it that way. Well, I know um, one of the guys I regularly play with, Jake, has a, a very – shooty warriors of chaos army he's got hell cannons he's got flamers uh he's trying to summon stuff early to get an advantage but he's also trying to go second so that he can try to get that second turn and have a double turn right away for extra shooting i do that all the time whenever we play he plays it both ways yeah i always pick to go second i do that with infinity too because i always want the last i want the last turn in infinity and i think in warhammer uh especially since i i'm either playing the those chaos guys from the box set which have no shooting or i'm playing undead which has no shooting um i'm totally willing to go second and try to get that double turn that's yeah i in most games i like to go second especially in objective scenarios but it's not guaranteed because it's going to be random every turn yeah you Um, could go second and on that last turn wind up going first yeah yeah so i mean there's there's the advantage of trying to get the double turn and have extra shooting right in a row but if the other guy goes first he gets the first shots off he can do the most damage first um it's so easy to take out characters he can move up and snipe your wizard there goes your summoning um he could uh 
uh, move into range after casting his spell. So now he's able to dispel your spells, but you were not able to dispel his spells. Right. Right. Now, um, I have a question about summoning. I know in the Clash Comp, there's just no summoning. Because it's very, and I, and I understood that because I've been trying to figure out a way to put summoning back in. And it can throw the game super out of balance really fast. And one of the things I've noticed is none of the new stuff can summon. Including um, the stuff from end times, with the exception of Nagash. Like, yeah, to, you know, it's, it's uh, the well, they can, you can summon uh, more ghasts. That's oh, or, uh, one of the summoning spells that are on their uh, rule sheet that they give it to all the death wizards. Oh, right, 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 right. Um, well, at I least mean, just yeah, off the top of my head, since I've actually been playing those True. guys, that's the only reason why I know that right and away. I know Undead's got summoning it. I've, now, we have been playing it without summoning only because, you know, you can still regrow a lot of your undead stuff, and the Tomb King stuff is allowed to re- heal wounds back really fast. Um, I know you are, are a fan of summoning, um, but even looking at it in a 20 nil system, how much that could throw the game off, we haven't found a way to make it really work and make it be fair and not throw it way out of balance. So, I, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know you like to, to do the summoning. That's something you like to keep in there. Um, I think it needs to be in there, but I absolutely think that you cannot play uncomp summoning. It's it's way too strong. If you play it, just do whatever the heck you want. Summon from wherever you want. Do whatever you want. Hey, I've got 8,000 points. Good luck. Um, w- the way that we've played is... Um, one of the interpretations is that you have to have the scroll to even get the summoning spell. Um, we kind of locked it down like this is the rule. This is how we're playing it. So um, that helps a little bit. So you can't go and summon whatever you want from your collection. It also uh, is limited to one successful summoning spell per turn. Okay. Now, is it one? So if, if you try it and fail, you can try it again until it's successful? Well, you can't cast that same spell again because that's in the rules that says you can only attempt to cast uh, a single spell once per turn. Um, so if I fail to cast zombies, I can't cast zombies again with that wizard. If I have okay. a different wizard, that different wizard can then try to cast that spell. Okay, right, right. That's what I meant, though. Okay, so yeah, so you have a different wizard. You could try that. See, Harris and I were trying because, you know, like I said, we've been, we've been really playing around with the Clash Comp because we like it because it's got those 30 pool choices, but you only play 20. So the whole putting your army on the table thing um there's there's that game within a game that goes on there that we've been enjoying i I really like that too yeah um i we've been prepping for the michigan gt which is using um kind of a modified capital city bloodbath compact um i i took their compact and modified it for my tournament and then the michigan gt took mine and modified it for theirs and um i'm kind of looking forward to finishing up with that so that i can start playing clash because um, we're both going to Holy Wars, and we need to get some practice in with that comp. Right. So, uh, let's see. What have we done with somebody? Here, we've played. Uh, we've we've tried it where um, one unit per turn tops can be summoned. That's it. No matter what type it is, you can only summon one unit per turn. And we went and went dove into Magic the Gathering. It's got summoning sickness. So when you pull it up, you put it somewhere, and that's pretty much its turn. Um, just to keep it from going crazy out of balance. Um, the one thing we saw that, you know, with, because I, I don't know, I mean, you've, you've looked at the Clash Comp, right? Yeah, I've looked at the pool choices. I've, I've glanced at the rules. Um, I haven't gone too much into it because I don't want to get 
the wrong well, rule stuck in my head. But yeah, I've looked at it. What they're doing is, it's, and if I remember it correctly, and I think I've got it correct, I don't have it in front of me, but you get five. They were they're playing five turn games, and if you wipe out your opponent, it's a fifteen five to you, and then there's up to five points worth of objectives. Okay. Nice. Okay. For every objective you get, you get a point, and your opponent loses a point. So if you get a 15-5 and you get all five objectives, it's a 20 nil. Oh, if, cool. That makes sense. Now, if I get a 15-5 and you get two objectives and I get three, then my 15-5 becomes, I get the three, so it becomes an 18-2, but then you got two objectives, so then it becomes a 16-4. See, yeah. they start to balance each other. Gotcha. If you don't wipe out your opponent by the end of five turns, it's a 10-10. And then you get your objectives. So summoning really can mess that up. Where if I get a few guys out on the board, the bet you're never gonna, you know, you can't get really the fifteen five. So that's where summoning goes off balance. Harrison and I tried a bunch of stuff. Only one unit per turn. Uh, we actually put it in there that if you summon a unit, you give up a point from your final total. So Interesting. So that you you better be desperate. And then Harrison said, but you but if you can only summon the minimum unit. It's never. I'm never going to do that because I don't want to give up a point. I said, how about if at an 11 or 12 you get 150% of your minimum? So a 10-man unit becomes a 15-man unit if you roll up that 11 or 12. So we've been playing lots of little things like that. But then it's like, but you got to give up that point. So you're 15-5 if you win because you're summoning units. Now it's only 14-5 uh, because you're automatically handing over a point. because you're, So it becomes a desperation thing and not a, I'm just going to spam the crap out of my, this army thing. Yeah, my uh, my scenarios were written with summoning in mind specifically to both benefit and counter. So I, I like to see both sides of it. Like my first scenario is three objectives, um, but the secondary objective is to kill stuff with a negative for summon stuff that dies. So it counts against you, but will not count towards your percentage. Kind of like the main Age of Sigmar scoring. Oh, right. Um, so if you summon it, it doesn't count toward. Yeah, okay. And then my second scenario is straight up kill points like 40k. Each full scroll unit is worth a kill point. Um, each character and monster are worth two kill points each. So if you're summoning monsters, every time you do that, it's two full kill points every time they take it out. Or each like little three-man unit of flamers that uh, gets summoned on the board to try to pull off some chaff or whatever. Kill those three models, that's a whole other kill point. You're only playing kill points. You're not playing models or wounds. Okay. So that scenario is is anti summoning. Um, oh, of that course, could be interesting. And, and I hate to interrupt, but that just made me think of what I was doing. Where we were saying, if you summon, you give up a tournament point. Uh, you could also do. You can only summon one unit a turn, but if only summoned units are left at the end, then it counts as wiped out. Like oh, yeah, you got to wipe out the that initial army summoned units. If those are left, so you still want to focus on what's there. Those summoned units. And then they become great. I can summon them and make them as roadblocks to keep you from wiping out my unit, my units. But if that's if I if you can get around them and make sure that it's only the other, and I don't know how it would work because we haven't obviously I just, that just came into my head. So yeah, and in, in the third scenario, there was uh, I think it was the tertiary objective is was uh, either hold an objective or deployment zone type stuff. But summoned units cannot hold those objectives, etc. See, yeah. So I think there's a lot of ways you can do it as long as you. Like I said, it's got to be in the scenario to make it balanced, and you can't, like you said, you just can't have them spamming out stuff. Um, 
well, I played an uncomped game with Nagash, and that was enough experience for me to know that I needed to specifically write scenarios that were tailored to dealing with uh, summoning balance. So it, it was definitely in my head from day one. Cool, cool. I'm very excited for this. Like, this is coming together. And the weird thing is, I mean, now, as a person who never liked a lot of comp, and I'd see a lot of these comp packs, and especially with... um. You know, like with Swedish, which I've never been a huge fan of it because just figuring out all the points for that is a headache. And I mean, it's not hard. I like the maths. I love doing math. I love writing lists. I love doing all the points and sitting there and getting the most I could out of my points. But there's a lot of work involved in each of these things to do this. And on here, once people sort of figured out the value for like pool choices, and I do like the pool choice sort of thing once you figure out what the values are for the different things, um, it just seems... Like writing comp for this isn't all that hard. You just—it's—it's it's actually got to come up with some good scenarios, and come up with it with a nice agreed upon set of basic house rules to flesh out those four pages. I—I I know there's a lot of pressure on them, but I'm really looking forward to to what Steve does with Holy Wars, both scenarios and summoning. Because um, he and I have been talking a little bit. He's messaged me and called me, and he's like, "Well, what's your opinion?" We're kind of thinking. Um, either summoning, no summoning, uh, comp, no comp, how we're doing it here and there. I was like, okay. He, he mentioned no comp on summoning. I was like, dude, you need comp on summoning. I'm yeah. bringing a lore of death or I'm bringing a death army and I'm telling you, you need comp on summoning. Um, they've been kicking around. They do a ton of play testing over there. I know they play test every single table and all of their rules and scenarios. So, I, that's way more playtesting than I've ever done for any event. Oh, no. he, Dude, he's a good guy, and he runs a good event. He, he's very serious about – I mean, he doesn't even want one scenario to wind up going wonky. It's like he's very much a perfectionist when it comes to this, and he wants – I kind of feel bad for him because his son is going off to college and doesn't like Age of Sigmar, so he's in his basement playing with his toy soldiers by himself, lining them up against each other. Oh, his, his, son, didn't like, <laughs> his son doesn't like AOS? He's not a I, Yeah, I don't think he was a big fan. Oh, um, now I'm gonna have to make fun of him when I see him. <laughs> well, I, I love teasing his son. His son's a he, he dude. He's he's got great kids. He really. Oh does. yeah, for sure. I know he's away from school, so even if he did, he wouldn't be able to play much. Only when he visits. But if you're listening, you go play AOS with your dad right now. I'm telling you, little Herner, go home <laughs> and you tell you apologize to your old man and you play that game. It's okay, I'm done. Hopefully he doesn't get mad at me for bringing it up, but I, <laughs> I, I know uh, I know they put a lot of time and effort into really fine tuning their stuff. So I'm looking forward to the event and uh, can't wait. I'm so it's oh I wanted to go so bad and it's on my birthday, and I basically got my kids were like, "You're not going to be here on your birthday like like birthdays." Oh no! I know, and like my one daughter's already getting tears. Like, but daddy, we always go out to dinner on our birthdays, and aren't you going to be here? And my wife looks at me, she's like, "It's your dad's birthday," and she's. Yeah, if he wants to go play with his friends, it's his birthday. If he wants that to be his present, he could totally do that. And if I'm he like, wants to go play with his friends and, and abandon her, his family. That's what it was. Cause like, <laughs> I'm like, were you serious? If, she's like, yeah, if you'd rather go, go roll dice with your friends than spend time with your children on your birthday, you go right ahead. I was like, oh, oh no. Oh. <laughs> no and you're done. Yeah, and you know what? I've been married long enough to know that that, that, that sentence was not even close to permission, and anyone who was dumb <laughs> enough to take it as permission it's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. Yeah. So, um, but I, 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 I'm hoping. I wish him all the best for that tournament because so many people have just 
not even willing to try anymore. They're like, just forget it. We're going to stick with Eighth or with Ninth Age or go to Kings of War. Um, and, you know, I like Kings of War. I've been promoting that since first edition when nobody wanted to play it. And now people are trying it and liking it. And I'm like, told you. But uh, I really hope uh, someone steps up and runs a Holy War primer at Wapaka the mini game convention that's going to be going on this year. So oh, I need some practice. That I, that's another, uh, yeah, I'm doing nothing this year, by the way. I'm just I'm going to Adepticon and hopefully Bits, and that's all I've got this whole you year. Need to, you need to come to Wapaka. I'm running the ITS tournament at Wapaka. Yeah, I'd love to, except uh, I was hoping it was going to be the weekend before the last weekend. Oh, no. 31st is my youngest daughter's birthday, and once again, mm-hmm. it's, 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 <laughs> she makes fun of me. Birthdays are huge in my family. And I've said yeah. it in the last few episodes. Uh, yeah, so I'm out again. And it's just like, th- this is what, I mean, when they said Wapaka was going to be just, hey, pay your money to get it. It's, I mean, it's sort of like Akon. You pay money for your ticket to get in, and then you just buy into any any little mini tournament you want. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in heaven. Oh, it's on the 31st? Oh, I'm in hell. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited. Um, I am seriously considering, though, um, I'm hoping in uh, – in November or maybe over Christmas break or something like that, running a smaller primer at UGG. Because now we are having uh, a big, I'm recording on October 10th at Unique Gifts and Games that Saturday before uh, North Star, I think it is. Uh, I'm going to be there all day at Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois uh, from 11 to 9. I'm going to have my recording equipment there. We're going to record the show, and there's going to be just pretty much open gaming. AOS, uh, which I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be basically telling people if they want to do Clash Comp, I want to do AOS there. Or we could use Herner's Comp. I'm happy to do that. Uh, there's going to be Infinity. There's going to be Kings of War demos from the guys from uh, the guys who play over at Games Plus here in the city. They're going to come up and give demos for Kings of War. So Steve is using Clash Comp, by the way, for Holy Wars. Oh, he is? Okay. So is he using straight Clash Comp, or is he doing any, any uh, uh, variations? Well, or he's still deciding. That's what we just talked about. I'm sure Mo will talk about it when you have him on, but like the restrictions he made for only using army books, not alliances, he only did that because he already purchased the best in race trophies. <laughs> and, uh, or at least that's what I've been told. Uh, he also comped summoning early on just to ban it because it was, it's going to be way too much of a, a, a chore to comp that in such a short period of time. And pretty much Clash is the first tournament. So. Right. Um, I know. So, I, are you one who's for straight up the different army books, or are you for the the those? Oh no, four big Grand factions? Alliances. Yeah. I don't even know how that works at this point. Like, you know, I'm looking at it because once again, it really hasn't been explained in their rules, except that you know there's different factions which seem to have these different groups. So literally, I can just mix up what my empire, my dwarfs, and my elves all in. Yes. Mix yep. them up. Yep, Andrea, uh, her tournament army is uh, Sigmarites plus a few Empire, and then she's got a Lariel in there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as long as they have that same uh, keyword order, they're really? all, all viable, sure. They're all, not, they're all painted similar. They all have a, a unifying color scheme, which is uh, more important than anything, I think, for making it all work. That's why the Sigmarites are going to be blue and white, so that they match up with my dwarfs. There you go. No joke with that. Hold on one second. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. Child crisis. Um, okay, seriously, I'm totally flustered due to child crisis. What were we talking about? 
I was interested in the story behind the child crisis, so I also forgot. Um, I'm pretty sure we were on a tangent and could oh, probably we were talking about pick the painting, off something. Painting the mix. Oh, that's right. Um, the Grand Alliances. Oh, uh, yeah, and that painting, uh, painting them to the magic same. schemes. Yeah. 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 Stormcast will be blue and white for dwarves. That's what I'm hoping. So uh, I know Andrea is playing uh, Stormcast with Empire and an elf character. Um, what is uh, your scheme looking like to match it all together? Um, my Empire were um, a, a blue and orange, um, and then kind of like a steel, like a darker silver for the armor. So Stormcast are pretty much going to be the same thing. Um, their armor is not as dirty looking, I guess. Um, but again, they're also pulling in that blue and the orange. Um, and then my elf character... It's the Alario model, so she's just got her white gown with, you know, her gold staff, so that pretty much ties into anything. And then now everything getting new bases just ties it all back in together again. Nice. Very nice. I didn't realize that that's simply how it worked. So, okay, so for, for Brad, for your, um, well, okay, I have, obviously, I have a huge VC army and a casket. Okay. Um, and I don't have much Tomb King stuff left anymore because of the purge. And now that I realize this, I'm so upset with myself because I could have just totally kept that and been that's all I would have kept. Um, what are you adding in from the – are you adding anything from the Tomb Kings into your list? I I actually had a few units um, back from when I painted up and designed and built my Nagash army for Wapaka last year. Um, so I've got like a bone giant who – um, at the time, was uh, a Hyro Titan. They don't exist anymore, so now he's just a Bone Giant again. Okay. Um, I had a themed Casket of Souls that was uh, made from the Garden of Moor kit. Okay. And then, uh, like, Spirit Hosts, the new Spirit Host kit, like, coming out of the casket. Uh, like, like flying and being all ethereal and scary and stuff. So That's what mine's um, like, actually. I got, well, Chris Tomlin made it. So it's got the Necromancer, the old Necromancer with the top knot standing behind an opening up coffin with the spirit host coming out of it. Yeah. Mine's actually one of the, uh, the dark Eldar 40K characters um, who doesn't have, like, they've got, like, sharp, uh, real, like, crazy-looking armor, but it's not, like, super technical and futuristic um, and no guns, so they, they fit in pretty cool and look like an interesting uh, kind of vampire-ish necromancer character. Nice. Um, I've got a bunch of archers and cavalry I probably won't use, but um, I had uh, two boxes of necronites that I did not paint up for Wapaka because they wouldn't fit on my display board, um, which was a coffee table, by the way. Um, <laughs> it was huge. I had a yes, lot of stuff. I remember it. It was ridiculous. But Necronites are phenomenal. They're broken, and they're getting re-comped for MoComp, I believe, because they're so good for the pool choices they were. But um, those guys are awesome, and I'm going to be painting up some of those to, to definitely include in my regular army. I have one box of those that hasn't been spoken for yet. Maybe I'll have to keep them just to keep them in Have you Have you read the rules? No. They, uh, if they have a banner, they re- regenerate an entire model per turn, which is five wounds, by the way. Ouch! Uh, they uh, they grant all death wizards a spell, which, if successful, the spell adds an entire model to the unit. So it's not a summoning spell. It's another one of those undead add to an existing unit spells. Okay. Um, and then uh, the snakes, I believe, do D3 wounds with three attacks, something like that. So they have all the things you want. They have survivability. You can add to the unit. You can... Uh, 
refresh the unit. They do multiple wounds. I believe uh, the snakes have like rend one or something with D3 wounds. Uh, and they're multiple wounds. So that's, for me, that's my key to, is a unit powerful? Does it have multiple wounds? Does it do multiple wounds? And does it have rend? There you go. Nice. Th- those are, those three things. If you have two of those three things, it's worth taking that unit for sure. And they have all three. Cool. Very cool. So no skeleton archers or the or the chariots or any of that stuff? No, I have uh, the rest of my army is mostly VC stuff with uh, more ghasts, which are are pretty much themed both ways because they're, they're vampire looking with their ethereal stuff, but then they've got armor that's kind of Egyptian like Tomb Kings. Cool. Very so, cool. Yeah, they're, they're painted up kind of to go both ways, and then I kind of mix and match other stuff with all the same scheme. All right. Well, listen, we gotta take uh, we got to take another break. And we're going to come back to one more segment um, before we're going to wrap up. Well, we're going to come back to a segment, and then I'm going to cut to Rafaza and Mo, and then we'll come back and wrap up the show. Um, but let's take a break, and when we come back, uh, I want to talk. I got about uh, we got about 20 minutes. I wanted to talk some tactics um, because the tactics in this game are very different than the tactics in Eighth Ed. But they are here, whether you think they're in this four pages of rules or not, they're here. So we'll be right back. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut, designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. Sigmar, talking tactics with the man himself, Mr. Tactics, Mr. Thuf. I know I'm just teasing you. I know you got, I know I say it all too often, but I can't help it. <laughs> hey, at least you're saying it to my face this time. I, yeah, hey, I never said anything behind your back I wouldn't <laughs> say to your face. You just weren't here, but I knew you would hear it, and I said it anyway. I wouldn't, it's not you know. really behind my back when it's right. on the line. It's kind of <laughs> here for everybody to hear. So. Right. Hey, you know what? At least, you know, when, when Chris and I did the uh, Nothing But a G Thing uh, voicemail song, we had another song written and we never recorded it. I, oh my gosh, don't tell me. There was the hobby song. We you were going to tell about people. That. We were telling people. Uh, Andrea heard it. It was actually, we we're going to tell people to call in and give their hobby tips. And it could be anything like one, two, three, 
go. Grant's chaos dwarfs are made of spiders. Cranky's bitching about his Rhinox riders. I mix my paint up until it's milky. All of Relian's lists are just filthy. Oh, yeah. That was. I, the, oh, my God. That was, <laughs> but you got so mad. Like, we were talking about that. It was like at bits. We were joking about it. You came up to you like, one more time. God damn it. And I'm like, okay, we're going to scratch that one at least for a couple of episodes because he's going <laughs> to kill me. I, I fully believe that you had not prepared to sing that right there and you have it memorized oh i had it memorized i wrote it like i wrote that for the next one i was not i was that this was not set up for the show i i've remembered that for the whole year i've every time i keep telling myself i'm gonna record this one and do another voicemail thing but the last voicemail one went over like a led zeppelin and (laughs) i just was like i mean seriously i got hate mail and hate voicemail for that last song so i just we scratched it we never did it again so since i have you on the on the air I had the opportunity to throw that song out there at you, so you just know. See and see what I didn't do because because you're my friend, so I never did that song before. But there you go. That just listeners. Shows. That is where you will isolate that sound and bring it on for a nice <laughs> ringtone. If you make that your ringtone, can you imagine that yourself. your, your ringtone? Oh my god! No music background, and I can't sing. I tore up my vocal cords back when I was in college. Forget about it. So. All right, so let's talk. It'll, it'll, it'll just be that looped. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you want to torture yourself, you go right ahead. That's like the ten-hour loop of, uh, of of getting rickrolled or something like that. Why would you do that to yourself? Uh, <laughs> so, okay, seriously, let's talk tactics because now we're wasting time with me being a moron. Um, what do you say? That, what do you think? You and Andrea have been playing a lot. I know. What do you guys think? Like some of the, one of the most important bits of strategy are in the new game the most important uh thing that you can practice and learn first in my opinion is uh picking combat order um it's it's one of the things where i didn't even realize it at first we were just picking units and fighting we didn't realize oh you pick a unit i get to pick the next unit that fights and it can be a unit that's on the other side of the board yes um Oh man, that was so cool when I when I actually read the rules. It's interesting that there's only four pages of rules, but you still skim over them and skip them and just do whatever the heck you want, um, just like with any other rule system. But when we figured that out and started practicing, uh, playing it in practice, it was it was really cool. Um, so somebody attacks your uh, unit and you say, okay, they're the only unit in combat with those models. So me attacking back right now is not going to get me any benefit. I'm going to switch gears, fight with a different unit, and attack somebody who is not gone yet this turn, reduce their model count, reduce their attacks, and lower their effectiveness in this combat. Yeah. Oh, I, I totally agree. In fact... Um that was something that we did was uh, when we were playing, when Chris and I were playing, I was playing the Chaos guys. Um, the, the ones that actually look like Chaos Warriors, the Blood blood Warriors or whatever they're called. The uh, Yeah, Blood Warriors. Yeah. Um, when they die, every model I'm pulling off gets a, gets a pile in and an extra attack. So I like to attack with them first to get all their attacks in. So that way, when he finally does attack back, any models that get taken off gets an extra full set of attacks. Oh, that's great. That's a good point. Yeah, make sure you double up on your attacks for that turn. Right. I want to attack before anybody dies, so that way when you attack with, with attack them later, there's extra attacks coming in. And they were, and that that was really actually quite helpful. It was one of the few things that went really well against the against the uh, Stormcast were those guys. So 
I almost always, not always, but almost always attack with monsters first and attack other opponents' monsters first because almost all the monsters in the game lose effectiveness with the more wounds that they take. So I need to um, improve on my chances of surviving against a dragon by lowering it down three, four wounds or um, eight, nine wounds to get it one or two tiers down, it's losing multiple attacks, it's losing the wound output, it's losing um, entire um, like two plus, three plus off of their to wound and to hit rolls. That's a great call. And then you're going with yours first before that effectiveness is lost on your own troops. Definitely. So I sometimes I, I've even held uh, a monster back um, so that I get the charge because then I can choose the first combat. I'm going to then pick that monster. Whereas if I get charged, they're going to pick that unit first. They're going to attack that monster and they're going to reduce its effectiveness. Interesting. At uh, I was playing the ringer at uh, my tournament with uh, basically a, a two box sets of the corn blood bound uh, just to keep it simple with a bloodthirster and um, I think that was it. Uh, maybe it one simple or two with bloods. a bloodthirster. Exactly. Do, but... do you realize what you just said? <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Well, let me finish the story first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my opponent charged in with five blood knights. My bloodthirster was dead at the end of that phase of combat. Ouch. The, uh, the Blood Knights do D3 wounds when they charge, and they did 12 wounds, and then the frickin' horses did two more wounds to my Bloodthirster and killed it on the charge. Ah, it's because they're feeding them that vampire blood. The Blood Knights <laughs> is nice, man. I got the five of those. They're definitely coming out. So because it was my opponent's turn, because he charged and picked that combat first, I lost my Bloodthirster without rolling a single die. Oh. Yeah, there you go. It's important the order you pick. That was a good call on his part. Well, a single die other than my failed ward saves or armor saves. <laughs> Jeez, it was a disaster. I just looked at the table with my hands like out. What just happened? Anything can happen. That's one of the things we've noticed in this game. So, um, okay, I've been trying stuff, and I know it sounds gamey because even Harrison's laughing at me as I do it. Um, moving in with larger numbered units and having them in weird formations. Definitely, yeah. I've been setting them out in rectangles. Um, I really like uh, pretty much a Bretonian lance. I've been doing rectangles with a big gap in the middle, though, kind of, kind of putting them up a little wide and moving them up so that when people attack, they tend to spread out to get all their attacks against them. And then I pull off the models all from sort of one side, and then if I wind up losing some more models on the, uh, on the roll at the end, the Battleshock test pulling it that way and then suddenly when they it, when they're going to pile in for their turn they have to pile in to the left or to the right so i can try to drag them off to the corner of the board or shove them out into the middle where i want them you see what i'm saying i do yeah yeah um it doesn't it's it it's it's not an easy thing to do <laughs> and especially if the peer opponent knows you're trying to do it they'll just pile into one side where they want to be but um even doing it that way, then, if they're all piling into one side of the unit... Pull those models off, yeah. Right, then I'm pulling those off, dragging them back, or they're all piled in, and now they're all there, and they're not hitting as many... Mo they're not. There's not as much in, in contact, so they have less models fighting by choosing to go only to a spe very specific side. Um, it's, it's a weird thing, and I don't have it down yet. I don't even pretend to have it down yet, but I, I know there's a lot going on there um, that... That can be the the where you put those models when you charge and when you move them, 
uh, because every model is important, and who you pull off and where, I think, is huge. And there's there's a big learning curve on that because there's so many options. It's kind of crazy. That's going to be one of those things that evolves with the game, and players are going to get better ideas and do better things. And the first time you run up against somebody that is really good with their positioning and their uh, their movement choices, it's going to be like the time where the first time you ever played against fast cab dark elves, and you sat there and watched them run circles around you, and you're like, "What the heck is going on right now?" Yeah, and exactly. It's, it's gonna it's gonna be like that. Um, the very first day that Age of Sigmar officially came out that Saturday. Um, ben Johnson, formerly of Bad Dice, was posting pictures of a game, and he was lining up troops to block uh, firing lanes and block charging lanes um, so that they would have to charge his crap units, and he was spinning around the flank, and I was like, this guy works for Games Workshop. He's probably been playing this for a while and has learned a few things about uh, positioning and tactics. I'm going to pay attention to what he's doing. Exactly, and I think that, I mean, you know, I know Andy... Uh Andy Sherman would talk about his, like, you know, 8 million drop army, lots of chaff. Dude, chaff's important, I think, in this game. Having those two or three guys jump in there to block it up because you don't have the overrun and all that stuff. It's definitely um, blocking up something that you have to keep an eye on. It's not as important as what it was, obviously, because there's no redirecting. There's no wheel overrun and then charge the flank. But, um, yeah, it, it can be important to, to block up a unit for a turn. Um, and then, hey, I'm going to retreat with this unit before I give up wounds and points. Now I'm countercharging with my other unit after these guys run away from you. Right, exactly. And now when you retreat, now, I mean, let me ask you about that because we've only did it the one time. Um, now, when you retreat, it's just your basic, you can just pull back your basic full movement, right? It, the only way you're allowed to move if you're within three inches of someone is a retreat. Um, and you just move away from them. Now, you, you, you have your to, full movement, right? It's just your full movement. You can't run. You can't go double. But you so can, so long as you end more than three inches away with all of your models. Otherwise, it's a failed movement, just like a failed charge, and you don't do anything. Okay, but I'm basically what I'm saying though is if you've got a six inch movement, yeah, I, you book I, it six I can inches. move the minimum, but I can move up to six inches away. Is well, like, up to six inches plus d six if you decide to run. So you can so you can run when you choose to retreat. It's just a regular move. It's just okay. uh, the only restriction is you must end more than three, three inches, inches away. away. Yeah. Nice. I think you can't charge when you're retreating, and I think shooting maybe is out as well. But yeah, I think it's just regular move. But yeah, you can yeah. run. Make regular move, you can run. You then cannot uh, shoot and charge unless you're scaven. Well, yeah. Or, but, dude, if you're a flyer, those uh, the angels from the. Yeah, you can retreat by moving over them towards their back lines. We that first day when we played, I brought my uh, my high elves to play, and I had my flame spire phoenix in a unit against um, some beastmen. I can't remember exactly what unit they were in, but I retreated from that combat and did a flyover, so I get the regular drop attacks that they do. Oh, jeez! Right, and they fly, so it's what ten inches or whatever, and just. However many mortal wounds it was, it was like ooh. Now flyers, if they choose to run, do they get to roll? They get to roll extra dice or something like that, don't they? Nope. It's it depends on whatever uh, rules, rules that each okay. individual scroll has. Normally, the only rule for flying is that you ignore models when moving. Okay. Um, so usually, could, flyers have more movement, but that's but regardless you could fly of your the ten rule. inches or whatever with your with your angels, and then add, add that d six to it and say, I'm, if you're not trying to do anything, just move, move. 
So you can actually move pretty far in a retreat. It's not like I'm just I'm, I'm once again I'm stuck in the eighth ed mindset of backing up is like half your movement or that you or can only, or yeah running two d six or whatever. Right. So wow, that's yeah and. Yeah. You just you just you can't shoot. You can't charge. I've bottlenecked you. Now I pull these guys back so they don't die, or so that I could use them to bottleneck something else, and I hit you with my. Yeah. With then my I charge I you with my giant unit of sigmarites with hammers that do three wounds apiece. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, ask me how I know. <laughs> exactly. See, I mean, there's there's so much going on, and every time I play, it's like I'm trying different. I think that's why I'm kind of all in on this because I'm not. It's like every game, I'm uh, there's something new that I that I didn't think about that I'm trying. Um, we were playing with the Realm Gates, and uh, I tried to totally jinx up Harrison because he's like he wanted to jump into my back lines using the Realm Gate. So I had moved a unit around it so that he couldn't, you know, because you have to end within a certain range of the gate. That's definitely something that I've seen uh, uh, the local Chaos player do. Is he he's both castled. And not castled with his shooting stuff, which is obviously something that shooting armies do. Um, but he does it to protect them from getting uh, charged early on, because you can move so fast and charge in this game, um, especially with if like the Sigmarite army does their formation where they can deep strike one unit within basically nine inches. That's chargeable, yeah. especially if they deep strike those prosecutors who they charge 3d6 inches. Right. Um, that's another one of those things where they don't have special flying rules, but their war scroll has their own unique rule that kind of simulates the extra speed for flying. Um, it's like, yeah, drop those guys in first turn. They're going to charge whatever they want. Right. So, so he wraps like warriors of chaos tar pits around his uh, hell cannons and protects his characters. Even though you could shoot him, uh, you're not going to be able to charge those guys. Well, here's the thing. I totally misread that scroll, though, for the Baleful Realm Gates. Don't tell me you char- you deep struck the whole army. No, 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 no. The Baleful Realm Gates, the two, oh, those two oh, gates, yeah, yeah. you not can the- go in one and you can pop out the other, but you have to put the whole unit within six inches. So- oh, so you're taking away the spacing. Yeah, I went in and I put my unit around the second gate saying, now you can't get over here, so my guys in the background are safe. And gotcha. Harrison looks at the rules, and he's like, I'm just going to bring them in on your board edge. I'm like, what? He's like, it's in the other gate or a board edge. <laughs> he's like, so you block the gates, but you can't block you can't block uh, 20 gotcha. feet of board. I was like, are you kidding me? He's like, yeah, maybe. maybe. Of course, there's my 15-year-old wise-ass kid. You might want to read the rules there, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> he's not quite 15 yet. He ain't going to make it to 15. He keeps that stuff up, but... That is awesome. Yeah, because I didn't realize it's that aura board edge. I was like, oh, are you kidding me? I've been the victim of some tactics that I thought were amazing and blew up in my face just like that. So I feel you. <laughs> so anything else uh, before we before we got to take this next break? I'm, I'm, and I'm not trying to cut us short, but it's getting close to the time where I got to go pick up Harrison from the from school. For He's got marching band at the football game, and it's ending soon. So uh, That's okay. I'll... Uh I, and, I hey, you're really... welcome to come back on again. I'm just wondering if there was any tactics or anything that you think that you were, that you really wanted to mention that was like right on the top of your head. Those are some of the main main things to get started. I think for a beginning player, um, combat selection, unit formation, and moving around is is really the key to. 
to kind of start with. And then from there, it's it's combinations of scrolls, which is beyond just regular game tactics and um, target selection. And that only comes with playing a ton of games, learning all the armies, which none of us know right now. Um, it's going to take a long time to learn armies. It's going to take a long time for you to learn your opponent's army, let alone your own, and then knowing what does well against who, which is always a benefit for good tournament players. you got to know everything. Yeah, no kidding. Dude, I printed out all of the scrolls. Like, I went down. I was, at, I was at work one day. No one was around. I'm like, I'm just going to print out all. Dude, it's like an inch and a half, almost. Uh, more than that, jeez. I mean, well, it's, I mean, I just printed up full-side, but two-sided printouts, you know. And seriously, it's like, I mean, all the armies and the, and the scenery. But there's a lot here. More than I can figure out, so... Yeah, I sit on my phone at work uh, whenever I get a minute here or there, and I scroll through scrolls and just take a look at a unit at a time. Yeah, I got mad because I'm like, oh, the the Witch Fate Tor and that other big one, the the ruined one. I'm like, those are the only two pieces of terrain that they have rules for that I don't own. I'm like, oh, I wish I had these. So does that, I'm having so much fun. That's the other thing I'm having fun with is all this terrain because now all this stuff on the board gets really interesting, especially, you know, like I said, making those lanes and stuff. I've got a bunch of new stuff assembled just sitting there because I've been just so backed up and I keep getting sidetracked with uh, try fiber. Yeah, <laughs> I Sorry. keep getting I keep getting stuck on video games and armies I need for GTs. I don't have time for terrain right now. Yeah, no, I hear you. Not that not that that's why I'm getting stuck, but I just between the kids and work. Yeah, I hear you. All right, so listen, last break, guys. Um, we're gonna go and we're gonna cut. We got uh, we got Rafaza, we got Mo, both coming on. Um, then uh, after I talk to them, we're going to come back and wrap up the show here with uh, Andrea and Brad. You guys will stick around and help me wrap up the show? Yes, sir. Excellent. I think, I think we can be persuaded. Fantastic. We'll be right back, folks. folks it's dave are you looking for that special model to add to your army a monstrous creature or maybe a character model something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table well then you should check out mirce miniatures at mirceminiatures.com their darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see and with the success of their recent kickstarter those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mirce Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mirce-Miniatures.com and seriously guys, you'll be glad you did. Folks, uh, the Schwantz will be back with us uh, at the end of the show, but right now um, I am here with uh, Raf Harbinson from the UK. Raf, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, it's my pleasure, David. My pleasure entirely. Uh, and folks, um, 
as we've been talking out in the show, um, you know, Clash of Swords uh, was last weekend. And, um, Ref, you were there. You played an AOS tournament. How many people were at that tournament? I think it was 62. Yeah. 62. 62 people. At, so that's a pretty big tournament considering that uh, this signaled the death of the hobby all over the world. Um, yeah, we weren't sure what we were going to be doing. It might, might have been knitting <laughs> or um... – <laughs> I mean, it was pretty nutty. I mean, uh, you know, um, Mo is coming on next um, to talk about how he came up with the comp and how he put this thing together. But, um, you know, a lot of us are sitting around watching, you know, just kind of watching Twitter, waiting to see, okay, how's this going to how is this going to turn out? Is this going to be good or what's going on? So uh, I'm assuming you had a good time unless you just came uh, on here to bash Mo. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> You've seen my true true reason for being here, David. This is upsetting. No, it was, it was, it was terrible, actually. Uh, it's all over. Uh, pack up and go home. Okay. <laughs> well, you heard it there, folks. The show's over. <laughs> no, it was fantastic. Um, look, Mo, it's fantastic you got him on later. Uh, he, he always runs a great event anyway. So, yeah, there is, maybe if you want to look at it that way, everyone is always going to have fun because he puts together a great tournament. But I think a lot of us, including Mo, were very worried about the game and whether it would work in a tournament setting going into it. Oh yeah. And it was very interesting getting you know, the broad, the majority of views following it. You know, there'll always be, I think in any situation, if you go into something with very strong preconceived views, it's very hard to, you know, something really has to blow your mind to change that uh, straight away, you know, over the course of a day or two. But so I think most people went in with kind of curiosity, you know, sort of, all the jokes, of course. Uh, we've been, yeah, yeah. Warhammer had been dead by that point for about a month, so. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, it, well, it had. I mean, this is a whole new game. You're really, I mean, this is this took you know, it took it took a bit of it took a bit of stones to just say, you know what, hey, we're just going to try this comp and throw it out there and do it, and you know, people. You know, I mean, I only know him through the internet, so. But mm. I mean, it, it took a lot of faith for people to you know put in their, their cash and say, okay, we're going, we'll, we'll, we'll try it. Definitely. And I think, especially as a lot of people, including Mo, you know, hadn't had a chance to really play it much. You know, I think Clash of Swords was maybe a fortnight after the ETC. So quite a lot of us were out over in, in Europe for that. Still playing, and we had to still play 8th edition, so we hadn't sort of really been practicing Age of Sigma or anything. Right. And he came in, I... I told myself I was going to keep a very open mind from day one. Um, it's very old-fashioned, but <laughs> I have I have a bit of um, a bit of trust for Games Workshop. I first walked into a you know, Games Workshop store in '93 or '94 or something, and every game I've played of theirs, I have enjoyed to some extent or other, some more than others. But you know, but that is I dread to think how long ago that is now. And twenty years, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, can't, can't be. I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> You've been playing since you were one year old, really? <laughs> it was my dad playing. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, you know, the the massive commitment to to really re press the big reset button and just do everything differently. I was like, well, there must be something here. You know, the, the, surely. I mean, I know they're an evil empire, and we all hate them. Yeah, and they exist to um, you know, to torture kittens. But you know the must be something here. So I've I deliberately not committed too much one way or the other. Um, I found it quite funny that most of the rage came up before the game actually came out itself. I think the War Scrolls got released sort of the week before or on pre-order day. Right. 
and then all, most of the rage quits had happened before the game had come out or within the first week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and we we were just talking about that with, with Brad and Andrea. We had talked about, you know, I understand. I mean, I was a little angry myself. I'm like, mm. wait, this, you yeah. know, I mean, it, they really did. I mean, you know, all this end time stuff. And we were all investing in this and, 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 and playing and all this new stuff. And then suddenly like, and that's gone. And yeah. so, I mean, I understand people being angry. I understand people saying, wait a minute, you know, I mean, a lot of us, I, you know, I, I don't know anybody who didn't feel at least a little bit like sort of like, oh, wait, what's going on? Um, but I had the same thing you did. Like, I know a lot of people got mad at me for saying, hey, give it a try. I, I And I mean, I'm very pro GW. Anyone who listens to the show knows I am. But um, I don't know. Pretty bitter in a few episodes there, David. A couple you know. of them. <laughs> a couple of them. Every once in a while. Hey. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm a 95% supporter, I guess, you know, but, um, it's basically, it, it, it just sort of comes down to, I said the same thing you did. People like, you know, how come you're supporting this? You know, you, how could you, pop? Like, well, I liked, uh, you know, the end of sixth, I was, you know, is where I got interested and started looking into it. I played seventh, I played eighth, I played Necromunda. I played uh, Mordheim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played Blood Bowl. I played. It, I mean, pretty much any. I mean, I've enjoyed it, and so yep. you know, I just I, I was like, hey, I'm gonna at least give this a shot. Are you, I, you know, I mean, I I think a lot of us would agree that you know, GW. I mean, like I said, when I was at uh, Gen Con, the guy from GW there said, yeah, well, we sort of gave you a frame, and we're letting you fill in the parts because you're going to do that anyway. You guys always comp everything we do. So, and that, mm. I mean, that's a cop out in my opinion, a little yeah. bit, you know, I mean, that's, 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 I don't, I don't know that I'm going to, you know, but when you look at so, all the parts, putting it together, it's kind of working. You, it needs to be fixed. Yes. But mm. you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm torn at times so when, when, when someone tells me, listen, I know I didn't put it all together, but you were going to fix it up anyway. So I just left it where it was, <laughs> you know, it's, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, I would take that for my work, students. But yeah. I know you're going to take it to the mechanics anyway. So, uh, no. Right. <laughs> no, I know you, um, you you wanted to to focus more on Clash, but just my view on that. Um, I think it's I get a lot of it. You know, I also understand the rage and the anger and everything. But you know, if you look between the lines, I understand why they had to stop eighth or this. You know, as a business, they decided that wasn't worth it. Right. And you know, why they're doing most of the game as they are. You know, the the basic rules. Um, you get the sense they're trying to build on quite a lot of other game systems that have very simple rule set, and then everything comes in with the, the additional purchases. It gets more and more complicated. Yeah. And the lack of army selection mechanics is unforgivable, though. <laughs> it's you know that that could really hurt them in the long run. Yeah. And it's it doesn't even have to be the answer to their point of we always comp it anyway is not not to not do it. It's do it, but okay, maybe it doesn't really matter too much if it's over that balanced. You know, it's <laughs> the fact yeah. that you, the, the only people that it really hurts is not the tournament scene that will come up with comp systems such as Moe's. It's the pickup gamer that will struggle to, you know, just get a game against someone who doesn't know that well. Yep. And, you know, how, how do you then go, right, I can't turn up at a, you know, at a store or at a club or whatever it is and just go, right, you know, 2,000 points, let's play so it's it's interesting, and I couldn't quite believe it actually when it came out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know it, it's it's strange. I still I still somewhere in the back of my head I keep telling myself, 
you know, once they get their once once the legacy armies sort of fall mm-hmm. a little to the side and they start introducing more, I, I keep I keep sitting back somewhere in the back of my head waiting. Okay, something's going to change at some well, point. I've been it saying for for a couple of years now. Actually, what they should do is release a a competition pack. It could be a Digital download. They like those microtransactions. They charge a you know a couple of bucks. Well, okay, it's GW. They probably charge you ten dollars for it. <laughs> um, and you can just release. It's very similar to to Mo's comp system that I'm sure he'll talk about in detail. Yeah, you could just do that. Basically, publish that and go. This is you know 2015's you know, tournament pack. We're going to run it at our events, and then you can release one every year. It'll make a lot of people buy. You know, it is just a download. It doesn't cost much to make. Get a lot of people to just buy it because it will have the the point system. You can adjust it every year. It just seems like a so no, such a no brainer that I'm surprised they they haven't done it. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, who knows what they're doing? Well, I mean, yes, just, of you know, exactly. I mean, I, they obviously have some sort of a plan. I'm and I'm, you know, but from what I've been playing, though, you know. Once someone a little smarter than me figured out the little pool choices and how to figure things out and how to try to get things at least, at least where you're trying to be fair with one another, I've yep. I've been I've been all in on it. So, so let's see. Yeah, let's focus on Clash, though. You are right. I, I I tend to keep going off on this tangent every time I talk to someone <laughs> for the first time because I mean it's 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 hard not to talk about that. Of course, <laughs> the, the big elephant <laughs> in the room. You know, that's the whole reason that 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 that, that you know. That these uh, that the new tournaments that everyone is watching to see what happens. So, mm-hmm. all right. So, Cla- um, yeah, Clash. Um, no, it was five rounds, right? Yes. And five turns per game. Yes. Yeah. Old school. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's pretty much. I was like, wait, five? Really? <laughs> okay. I wasn't quite sure where they came up with five. Um, I know that obviously a couple of editions of Warhammer ago that was the norm. Um, I think some of the scenarios that are in the rule book if we call it a book um, <laughs> sort of mention capturing things on the fourth turn so it kind of gives you a turn after that things are a lot faster now some armies anyway um so you know, five does make sense it's it all seemed to it, it felt about right actually time wise you know we had i don't know exactly how long we had per round but it seemed to work okay now um it was eight pieces of terrain per table uh, did that seem like enough terrain for for you well, I've always loved lots of terrain. Uh, you know, I'm. <laughs> yeah, I like. I like to. It'll touch on upon uh, my views on the game uh, later on as well. But I like to, I guess, remove myself from myself when thinking about a game, and I like a table that looks right. So it depends. I think you know, it, some of the tables that if the tables had eight decently sized pieces of terrain, it seemed fine. You know, um, I would personally like to see sort of fifteen plus, but that's because. <laughs> yeah, I like the visual aesthetics of terrain. Right, and I mean, yeah, and it's hard to, and you know, when you're having, you know, when you've got thirty some odd tables. Oh, of course, eight yeah, pieces no, that's, of terrain. Yeah. I mean, yeah. As far as the tournament goes, now I think eight worked. Yeah, yeah, and that was, um, you know, a mix of buildings, which are you know, line line of sight blockers, um, area terrain, and stuff. So it, it did work. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, because that's the one thing that I that I picked up right away when we were playing is you you need I mean it's got to be that line of sight blocking mm. you know uh, you know uh, fire lanes blocking sort of uh, sort of things going on there. Um, now you touched down on the uh, on the uh, like sort of the objectives and stuff like that. Mm. And, um, 
you know, I know. Not, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times in the UK tournaments, you guys play a lot, you, or you do used to play a lot of straight up battle lines. That's right. Yeah. For so I got seriously into the tournament scene, I guess, on the release of eighth, and it was quite rare that you'd have any event that did anything other than five or six battle line games. Uh, they became slightly more scenarios of some description became more and more. Com, um, common towards the end because people got bored of playing battle line, I think. <laughs> um, and they they were always either capture middle of table or ki- kill X, keep X alive. You know, I guess they were inspired by by the stuff in the rule book. So it was fortitude based or or, um, or breaking fortitude or capturing center of table kind of scenarios. Okay. Um, the but yes, battle line was was the standard here and. Uh, <laughs> It got tedious. I know um, that that was well, that was topic for much conversation back in the day as well. But the um, the scenarios here yeah, made all the difference. It, it really, you know, it's it's hard to really see how the game would have been if they were just battle line equipments, actually. Yeah, I mean, you know, from playing the box set, just the take out your opponent, mm. uh, you know, without anything else. It it it's it need you need the scenarios. And so it does. It does two things. Firstly, it makes it gives you a say, sense of um, agency. You know, you have to act to get to X, Y, and Z, or to stop um, them coming over and grabbing your objectives. And also, because of the five-turn ticking clock, it's actually though it felt about right. It does actually kind of rush you. You're you know, right. There are, there are quite a lot of games where you, you're suddenly at the bottom of turn three, and you realize actually I've only got two turns to get this objective or make sure they don't get onto this objective. And then you start actually panicking about whether you can you know, move far enough or stop the moving. So it adds a, a, that ticking clock element, like uh, like any good action film, I guess, is um, is a key part of it. Right, and a lot of that, a lot of these objectives and these these uh, parts, it, it kept you from just piling up in the middle. Did exactly, it? yeah, yeah. Um, what was I going to ask next? Oh my goodness, I was going to ask about the. Um... Oh, I just blanked. Wow. Brain <laughs> Six in the morning, that's what happens. Um, oh, I know what I was going to ask. Okay. Um, so now with the with that, with the five turns, with the scenarios, and you said there's a sense of urgency, um, one of the things that you hear about uh, in certain tournaments is people sort of sitting back, taking a couple of shots, and taking the 10-10. Mm-hmm. Um, did, you, did you notice any of that happening, or was there... I mean, it it seems like that would not be as viable of a of a play in this, since grabbing scenarios can suddenly turn it into a fifteen five. I think I didn't see it during the event. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to scenario design. Um, the ones that were used were not necessarily you know fine tuned over months of playtesting or anything. It sort of Mo had some ideas, asked for some suggestions, borrowed a couple of ideas off Malifaux and Privateer Press. And, and just went with it. Right. Um, so there are some scenarios where you could do it. I think there's a scenario where you basically each have two um, two objectives. And if you have large enough armies, you could theoretically just each pile castle, on up, one. castle up both, you know, on, on, both of you castle up in your own deployment zones and basically call it there. Um, but that's an easy tweak. You just make the ones in your deployment zone in your opponent's deployment zone worth more than yours, and then it's, you know, then it's, it's fixed. Um, I didn't really see it, actually. The, the one time I did see it over the weekend, I think it was either on a... must have been on a Friday evening before the event, someone playing a practice game, and they weren't using scenarios. 
and it looked just like um i guess the worst example of eighth edition because <laughs> both armies had artillery so they were in the opposite corners in tiny little triangles of deployment oh, and, uh, and i was like wow really but that's the only thing only time i saw it okay and um now his uh no, it was uh, it was straight up uh, army lists, not the uh, not the legions and the forces list that, uh, at the tournament, right? Yeah, that's right. And I think um, you know, this is a big thing. Uh, I think a lot of the game we won't know the true shape of the game until you know, I guess the legacy stuff is replaced by the new stuff. Um, you know, what are elves going to be like? I guess is right. the big exactly. question in the room. Yeah, uh, once they find them, but um, the. He went with just the armies because it, it makes sense at this stage, though I get that there's no reason why it can't just go forces of destruction or order or death. It's so early on that we and we don't we're still getting a grasp on you know, what is good, what is not, you know, and therefore what should be the value of X, Y, and Z. That throwing that extra element of you know cherry pick from the destruction side uh, into your army was going to be too problematic and, and, and you get the it's hard to get a true sense of the game at that point it's a bit like trying to work out whether you like 40k by playing an apocalypse game you know when all of a sudden you know someone could just bring along anything they want and, and they've got a titan and you no idea of a space marine tactical squad is any good exactly carry. so it's you know we kept it to armies that people recognized and you know that worked i think um, there were it was good spread i think pretty much the only only armies that weren't there were dwarfs, which shows that the comp worked on some level or other. Hey, now. <laughs> I saw people put that. Even Mo was typing that. Yeah, my comp worked. There were no dwarfs. I was like, hey. Uh, the, yeah, no, it's... um. So, yeah, that, that was... Um, yeah, it kept it nice and flexible. Um, and visually good at this point. You know, I think whilst... Uh, strange. I mean, anyone that knows me on, on internet will know that I'm the least bothered about hobby and painting side of things. But <laughs> when you're actually <laughs> looking at an army on the table, um, I guess a, a, an army drawn from the various you know, armies that create the faction of destruction or death, if they were done together, could look very, very awesome. It is nice to see things that kind of match. You know, if it was right. just a amalgamation of every army, every model you could borrow from all the chaos armies that, starts looking a bit right i know i was i was personally a little negative in the beginning about the kind of mix anything because mm. with the rules you know not even stating that you had to keep it into the different grand legions yeah. but just yeah. you know people are like well i'm just gonna take this this and this and mix it together it's like, oh really well, you know it, you kind of <laughs> roll so your eyes it's interesting i mean whilst that's probably you know there will it will, it will end up being something like that i'm sure yeah along the way sure there's, um, when you see the game play, the synergies, which are the key to this game, you know, the, the synergies on the war scrolls, they are normally quite army-specific. So you right. get much more benefit from having you know, a lot of lizardmen uh, in an army than you know, lizardmen with the various other stuff that makes up their faction. Because sure. all the synergies kind of they bubble off, off each other. So... I don't know which will be more powerful in the end, you know. The, but there is um, seeing it on the table. It's quite impressive that you know a lot of the, the lists that were trying to be good were either going for very powerful units or for armies that had 
inbuilt synergies that were always active. And right. it'd probably be quite hard to get those synergies going if you were just you know, cherry-picking units from four or five different old armies. Right. And like I said, my, my biggest fear with that is we've already seen with some of the legacy armies uh, that there's just certain things that you can kind of mix together that, you know, I know in the beginning when people were playing it, especially, uh, and I think Lizardmen are a good example with the Engine of the Gods getting four turns in a row or, <laughs> you know, or being able to summon up, you know, you know, 10 units on your turn and your turn takes about 45 minutes and your opponent's got nothing left at the end of it. Yeah. You know, there's that type of stuff. And it seems that if, you know, I mean, at least if you're trying to comp it, I mean, I, I, I would assume that was the reason was, you know, so there's so many, there could be yeah. so many hidden broken combos that you, you know, right now it's like, Oh, it's the first time. Let's just keep it. Let's keep exactly. it straight of armies. I think combination of, um, of hidden broken combos and, not knowing how to handle some aspects at this point um, uh, went this way. So, which is why there was no summoning um, at the event. Right. Because, because that's a hard one to, if you're not working off a victory point system, I mean, you know, with Law of Undeath in 8th edition, if you make things cost victory points for, for what they do, you know, for the st race stuff that you kill, that comps them to a large extent because a lot of the stuff that you raise up can be killed and, you know, you can win the game by just doing that. In an objective capturing uh, game with very different mechanics that we have now, there was no obvious way to to make it fair. Um, I don't, I'm sure there will be eventually, um, and that there are various suggestions. But I think it made sense to keep it, you know, as simple as possible while still playing the whole game, because not everyone summons anyway, so it's not uh, right. And uh, plus, the the new armies, or you know, they don't seem to. At least what's come out so far doesn't mm. seem to have that. It is very interesting, actually, that you know the, the leg legacy armies, which is a good phrase, um, have all the weird stuff. <laughs> uh, the the two armies that we've been seeing stuff come out for, or I guess there's some what else that we've seen as well. Yeah, you know, they're much more sensible. We'll go with inverted. You know, they, right. There's no crazy hop around on one leg, you know, speaking Latin backwards rules. There's <laughs> there's no so far mad summoning. Uh, even though you, know, you could see the, the synergies there from the background point of view. So it's interesting. I, I'm very curious to see what they'll do, in what the game will look like in three to six months. But for now, they decided to keep it relatively simple. You know, just the armies, I guess the old 8th edition army books, no summoning, and um, yeah, overlay this la layer of army selection composition that uh, he worked on and got a lot of help on. And basically, that was almost all the changes to the game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, you, you I read the pack, and I'm like, well, it seems mm. pretty simple, you know, all together. Mm. So how was the let, – let's get to this, because like I said, I, I know when we talked beforehand, I didn't want to get into like a game-by-game -game yeah. analysis because – but what what did you take, and what was sort of the overall mood <laughs> of the games? I guess that's kind of what, yeah. what I'm curious about. So my, my games give a bit of a skewed, skewed view to the whole thing, so I won't cover them in too much detail. I was going to take a, a Chaos Warrior. Uh, list with um, with Archeon, etc. Low model count, I was going to paint it up. And then um, a friend of mine who was going uh, pulled out sort of about a week or so before, and he was taking Nagash. So I asked Mo if I could borrow his army, because I've always wanted to use Nagash ever since it came out, and I've never got to. So different edition of the game, Yeah, but I'll, but I'll use it anyway. Um, he's awesome. However, he's you know built around summoning and he 
cost 10 pool choices um, in, in the compact at the time. Oh, he was Adam 10. Pot- yeah, he was 10. So he was the most expensive thing in the game, uh, which was, that's literally half your army. And in a game that is all about capturing objectives and he can't capture objectives, you know, I knew I was never going there to be competitive. I, I wanted to, to use Nagash to you know, see how the game played on the table and then have games that finished relatively early so that I could go and observe and, and watch other games play. So it was suitably, I guess, you know, by the way, Nagash was great fun to use. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was suitably powerful as well. You'd sort of, you know, get him and throw him into the middle of a enemy army and yeah, I think so even without the summoning he he, he was in there yes yeah I only yeah. figured out some of his synergies by my third game because he gets all the spells that your other wizards have because he can cast eight spells a turn as opposed to most wizards that can cast one or two uh, that's when he's fully healed but so having some other wizards in, into your army all of a sudden he can do a lot of damage and he's great in combat so um, I think over the course of the weekend he you know he killed an entire Slanesh demon army uh, entire Bretonian army most of a other demon army, entire ogre army. <laughs> so he's that, worth his ten pool points. Well, so I say he killed all that, but I didn't win those games because it's all about capturing the objectives. And you know, my opponents just kill the things that have to um, that I have that can actually capture and, and keep just enough alive to capture themselves. And oh yeah, you know, right. So it was uh, two wins, two losses, and and you know, a slightly winning draw. So um, you know, it's that kind of. Thing that kind of makes sense because you have this, you know, yeah, sure, I can go around and, and be a beat stick, but it's not going to win me the game. Uh, I knew that going in, so it was fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> the things that you did see, though, was some of the speed, you know, some of the stuff that I guess you'd want to see. You know, you always hear about Slanesh demons, how fast they are. And and in my first game, it, that's in the fluff, in the, you know, on the table, they were basically slightly faster elves. So it was... Um, <laughs> You know, my first game I played uh, a chap called James. He was using an entirely Sunesh demon army. And they have some uh, formations that give them additional bonuses for, for doing so. Right. And he had a unit of Seekers, and he just, and they can run and charge at the same same turn. So with all the bonuses he had from having his army and with his run move, you know, before when the game started, they moved his first turn, they moved 27 inches plus charge, 2d6 plus 1 or something. <laughs> so it was like, right, so he's charging me something on my table edge. <laughs> wow. Turn one. It's like, wow. Okay. And lots of things like that. Um, interestingly, I mean, it's, it's watching the games. They look a lot, most of them anyway, there'll be some exceptions, but a lot of them look just like a Warhammer game happening on the table. The unit coherency is small enough. That doesn't, you don't get the spread of 40 K. Okay. And because it's, you know, it's half that distance, uh, they get to spread out they're twice as far. And you have blast markers in, in 40K. So if you walk past a 40K table and things spread out everywhere, and it's quite hard to tell what is what. It's, um, whereas because there are no blast weapons, there are no, uh, or anything like that, uh, and you get benefits most of the time for being close to each other because of attack ranges, etc. Right. Stuff might be on circle bases, circular bases now, but they look... You know, they still look like regiments. You know, several of my opponents were still using movement trays because from, until you get into combat, there's no reason not to. Um, right. <laughs> just, you know, it's quicker to move things. Um, and so that was, you know, I think very 
visually it was very interesting. Um, the, you know, given how early into the scene it was, I think only a handful of people had converted all the, or, you know, changed the bases on all their, their models. But those that did really stood out. Yeah. The, um, and then as the elements of the game itself, I mean, I think the movement was, you know, it was the difference in speed, as I mentioned earlier, was, was, was very cool. The combat itself, I think, is probably the best mechanic of this edition and is the thing that leads me to think that with the right releases, this could be my favorite version of Warhammer. Like the, really? the activation method for combat and the tactics involved in there and the importance of getting that right are massive. You know, so that if you're engaged in multiple combats at the same time, choosing which one to go first, um, knowing that your opponent then gets to activate something completely unrelated to what you've just done. There's layers of we, uh, tactical play there that it, it's very easy to get wrong. We just had this conversation actually with Brad. He was saying how um, that's probably, he said that's the biggest thing to figure out in his opinion, his games and how he always tries to attack with his monsters first and attack yep. other monsters first because of the, bonus to having full wounds and the benefit of taking wounds off your opponent with that as quickly as possible. That's right. And that's exactly that. And, and you know, the fact that there's other mechanic that's they've introduced when monsters get worse as they get injured, which is you know, fantastic. It only took them 20 years to do that, but <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. You know, it's sort of visually makes sense. Right. Um, you know, that makes that very attractive. Uh, so, and then, but then there's the, that's what makes it a tougher choice because that's sort of almost the obvious thing to do. But then if there's something else that's really important that you want to do you know, somewhere else on the table and you need that to go off, you know, are you going to give up the chance to actually cause some damage on this dragon before it you know, eats the unit it's going to eat? You know, and if you cause three wounds, it's not going to cause as much damage. And you, the opportunity cost of that versus actually getting to fight with your character over here, who if he doesn't fight, will probably die because he's surrounded. Um, or you know, or aspects like that, right? And who's and who's up against it? Is it that chaff exactly. unit that you've got sort of blocking up a lane that you mm -hmm. don't mind if it gets killed, or is it? Oh no, those guys have to go. You know, and other things like um, being able to influence who is still in a fight, right? So if you pick the wrong, if you've got two units fighting one unit, and you pick the wrong one of your two to activate, so maybe you pick sort of the, the blocking unit to go first and. Um, you know, you've got some clansmen fighting some goblins and you know, some hammers who I'm assuming are still pretty hitty on the side there. If you go to the clansmen first and they remove most of the models that are fighting the hammers, all of a sudden you're not actually doing much damage. Right, because your opponent then, you attack, your opponent yeah. gets to pick where they remove them from, so yeah. why not remove them from... I mean, you still get your pile in, but I've just yeah. I've just slowed you down. Yeah. And also, when, when you, you know, when it's, it's sort of getting... Taking a step back, when I was talking about this with Mike, it's the sort of game that you feel that a year from now, it's gonna you can really tell the difference between the very good player and the one who's just knows how to play. Because even in that, the piling mechanics can be you, know, you can play around with what your opponent can do by using your own pilings to alter what the closest model is to most of his units and things like that. Right. Or tagging in, you know, when you tag in a model into 
the other side of the unit from the main combat, so you can't actually bring in support because half the unit is closer to this other model than to the combat you want them to get into, and they've got to keep coherency. And you know, so there's a lot of that. You know, choosing the right time to, and I was guilty of this, I kept forgetting because it's so unusual in Warhammer to be able to retreat from combat. And the fact that it's a full move, it's not even, you know, so if you're a, a fast unit, you know, you can really get quite a long way away and you're not actually stuck in the combat state you're in. You can be like, well, I'm going to retreat from here. I've just got to end up, you know, over three inches away from an enemy model and I can't charge or shoot, I think. Um, so that's fine. And that adds extra levels as well, because there's a game that I, I lost that, thinking back, you think, well, if I you know, pulled this key model out of combat a turn earlier, there's a chance I could have you know, done something there. So I like it when you lose a game and you can think back to mechanics that are available in the game that if you'd use better. Yeah. Right. I mean, even even the idea that, uh, I mean, I, you know, before your, your unit, uh, you know, if it was taking some heavy artillery fire, mm. you'd back it off and try to pull it off into a corner to not give off point, give up points. But now when you're playing, you know, it's if you don't wipe out your opponent, it's a 10-10 as opposed to a 15-5, just the way the comp was running. Yep. You know, I, heck, I was playing against uh, uh, Chris uh, with just with the box set, mm. and uh, he he dropped his little he dropped his um, his flyers, his little angels, mm. right in my backfield, figuring they could come in and do some damage. And uh, I got lucky and took out two of the three right off the bat. And the other one, he was like, "Forget this!" and retreated, flew away, and pulled him into the back corner. And it's like, oh well, now you, I, your ability <laughs> to retreat. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm. The odds of me being able to wipe you out in those turns, I just, yeah. just totally got messed up. Yeah, completely, completely. Yeah. And there's so the combat. I guess just trying to get a, a sense of the, the games. The movement was very felt very right. You know, the fast things are very fast. The the choice, the fact that you don't move if you fail a charge, is quite interesting as well. That's also another. Uh, yeah, you don't even stumble forward the one no. die. If you don't make it, you don't move. That and so that's that, that's screwed. That can screw you up. Oh, completely. So it's another. You know, it's all about giving the general options that they can do the right thing or the wrong thing with, I guess. And so you have to decide whether, well, I could move here and have a really long charge. You know, you know back myself to roll ten inches to to get into combat over there, or I could run this turn. You know, to try to. You know, I'll get closer. Or you know, move slightly in a slightly different position, and set myself up better for the next turn or block him off or something. So that's that, that was interesting as well. The shooting, I didn't have shooting, um, so I didn't really experience that. <laughs> There's some powerful stuff out there. I was worried that actually when I turned up at Clash, there'd be lots of gun lines because you heard people that had been playing early on saying that shooting is very powerful because you can now shoot into combat. And, right. Um, I didn't see that so much. Um, I think most of the, I mean, there are set items. You know, a hell cannon is very powerful, as you'd expect it to be, I guess. And, and set models and units are, are very good. But the key characteristics really seem to be rend and damage. Right? Those are the the most terrifying <laughs> numbers on your opponent's, um, I guess, right. weapon sheet. So most of the shooting doesn't do that much. You know, like even though you can pump out a lot of shots in this game if you have the right size of units. A lot of units have that mechanic for one turn, shoot three times or whatever it is. But the combat seemed... It reminded me of... If you remember the, the beginning of the Lord of the Rings films when uh, Sauron is, you know, comes out and starts blowing people up in combat with a big 
swings of every you know, every swing of his mace, and it's people just flying everywhere. Right. You get that impression where really powerful models can wreak havoc, and and the decreasing scale from there. So, you know, you have Nagash because he has a lot of attacks that cause three damage or d6 damage and, and things. When he hits an infantry unit, it really does sort of blow apart a large number of them. It doesn't you know, necessarily evaporate the unit or anything, but, you know, it's a large sort of puff of cloud. Right. And it, it caught me out a couple of times, actually, because, you know, I, I was fighting some sword masters, and you know, I activated first, killed eight or so, and then, but he took all the ones that are in your near Nagash out of out, so he was no longer in combat, so he could just move away and then run, and then backed himself to get the you know, go first after going second, you know, on, on the on the dice roll. Right. Got that, moved and ran again, and all of a sudden they were miles away, <laughs> and um, it was like, oh, well, that was a bit upsetting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, and you, things that you'd expect hit hard, hit hard. You know, ogres cause a lot of damage; they don't hit that often. Um, Basic infantry units seem to get a lot better if they have um, either characters buffing them, if they're the right kind of army, or in sufficient numbers. You know, just the basic skeleton that goes up to you know, three attacks a model if you're over a certain size. Was, right. Um, and that becomes, then begs uh, adds the, an extra level of uh, tactical decision-making in the combat order. So in my first game, I had a unit of 30 skeletons, and they got charged by demonettes. And you're thinking, right, so I've got a lot of attacks there. But if I don't go first, I won't have any near as many attacks because I have to kill you know, one skeleton and I lose a lot of attacks. Exactly. Which means, which means I can't go for his Keeper of Secrets that's also fighting um, some Morgoths. I could actually do some damage to that. You know, what is the choice? Do I cause some, try to really hurt the Keeper of Secrets so that it's less good and therefore sacrifice you know, the better part of 30 attacks by going second with the skeletons? You know, so the, the, the difficult choices that there isn't an obvious you know, answer, which which I found surprisingly surprisingly fun. And you know, I was learning the game at the event. <laughs> My opponents oh, exactly. were, were kind enough that you know, most of them had played before and they you know, showed me what I was doing wrong and how things work. Um, the magic happening before the game, I thought was fun. Uh, before the first thing in your turn was great because it um, there's a lot of powerful damage causing magic but you have to be in the right place for it at the beginning of your turn which means that you're then in danger you know, because the mortal damage spells tend to be about 18 inches tends to be the average and you know that makes a big you have to commit to being within 18 inches of the enemy and therefore you are in danger yeah and, and you've got to get there on the previous turn you yeah know, exactly exactly so yeah you're 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 not just hiding in the back running up and throwing something up you're there earlier there's a lot of that type of thing going on in this game i find that you know yes it's not on movement trays and yes it's not you know move this many inches wheel there is that freedom of movement but now every single model where you place it who you pull off where you is i mean it's a different set of you know strategic uh, <laughs> ideas and tactics but there's just there's so much there, and it's and it's so new now to everybody. I think that that's kind of what makes the game exciting for me. Oh, it's, it's fantastic for that. The, the the individual placement is such a big thing. I mean, we didn't see it at the event, and I think it's something that you'll see more as people get used to the game and and what things actually do on the table. 
Yeah. But the importance of the placements, not only of where each model is, but each model within the unit is, is actually can be quite big. You know, you can significantly, I mean, I guess it's similar to the old age, eighth edition Congo in many ways, but you know, you can <laughs> have formations where it severely limits the amount of um, attacks your opponent can get at you by having, you know, by forcing by forcing their pilot moves to go into specific directions, for example. You now we've had conversations about basically like an inverted V shape and, and what that does. And um, you know, if you're forcing an engagement, you know, being in a blob, a shapeless blob in the middle is rarely a good thing uh, if you want to limit the amount of attacks coming at you. So that adds a whole li- different level uh, to the point where I was a bit worried it would get a bit too similar to 7th edition, which I, I, I understand why people loved. But I, I was never a fan of the, you know, let's get that obsessed about the quarter-inch placement here or there. Right. And the fact that you still have the random element of you know, the charge moves are still random counters that as well. So it's, I'm surprised that people that, uh, I would be surprised that people that loved 7th edition Warhammer, if they gave this a go, wouldn't like it. Because a lot of it's very similar. It's a lot of, after all. The good armies in seventh edition were skirmishing armies that you got to position everything everywhere anyway, um, and you get that now. Um, you, you, the placement matters, uh, forward planning matters because of the magic, you know, and, and the vulnerability of things. And you know, infantry spellcasters are really easy to kill if your opponent's got anything that shoots most of the time, and you know, that's also a different mentality. Where you know, vampire lord isn't that hard to kill. It's also not the end of the game if he dies, and that that's going to take me probably years to get used to um, I, I still i still can't wrap my head around that just like hey you know they're they're uh they're not the be-all and end-all of the game the characters but you also can't hide them in a you know you yeah. can't just hide them in a bunker they you know they, they've got to be out there taking that risk and doing their thing so and it's interesting it's it's there's similar elements i guess to a rock paper scissors type situation because you can protect characters from yeah, assault yeah, by basically hiding them physically in the middle of a unit. You can do that, right? They'll eventually get there if they're, sure. if they're winning. But they can't hide from shooting unless you are hiding out of line of sight. Uh, and that quite often involves them sitting back. You know, Maybe there's a building in your deployment zone or something, you're hiding, and you can you know, send out your buffing magics, which also tend to be of limited range. But you're not hurting the opponent as such. So it, it kind of neuters yourself there. So it's, it's interesting that um, you know, there's a lot of talk. One of the things out of the, out of the weekend is people worried about the power of uh, Mystic Shield because there's a lot of using of that. Um, right. Because it, temp- it is attractive. Uh, I had Nagash with a uh, – one of the things that Mo ruled that I think is should probably be standard is that you know, a one always fails an armor saves because it just feels more, <laughs> more natural. Um, but it, was a, it can be a bit ridiculous when I had um, – Using Nagash, of course. His command ability allows the army to reroll ones of failed armor saves. Oh, okay. Uh, so I get a couple of Mystic Shields on him, and he's on a, a theoretical, well, he's on a one up armor save, rerolling ones. Uh, so two up, rerolling ones, running forward against cannons who have Ren 2 or so. So it's still a yeah, three up, rerolling ones or something. <laughs> and, uh, so I understand why that is an issue, you know, and that can be like, well, there's no point there and, and i can kill the game but also it's you committing 
to buffing a unit instead of causing damage to someone else. And it's right. one of the you know, some armies have much harder hammers than some other people. Yeah, so from what I, I haven't actually faced them, but you hear a lot of very good things about executioners, for example, causing mm -hmm. damage. And if your army doesn't have something that can outfight them, you know, maybe you know, tar pitting them is all you can do. So it does give you that you know, another tool in the right in the box. I can see your. I can totally see your point. We've been playing here, at least in 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 the down here in the crypt in the basement here. Mm. Um, we've been playing that it, ones don't necessarily always mm. yeah so uh, what we don't have too much that gets the one up but yeah i mean the mystic yeah. shield uh, on a three up a mystic shield in the forest it's like well hope you got some mortal wound damagers because mm. uh, we've been playing it that way just just trying it trying to keep it because you know we're not certain yet I, I think one of the things we weren't certain about is is that just a hang up from eighth that ones always have to miss mm. or is there you know and, it, it, and also another thing is as more armies come out is that something that you know they they've taken into account that you know that that forces you to have a little bit more balance. Find stuff in your army with rend. Find stuff with mortal yep. wounds. Find stuff with shooting to force a little more balance. So, but I mean, I totally understand at least for now why they do that. Exactly. Kind of like, you know, yes. No. Exactly. And, and um, you know, it's it's easy to counter from other directions as well. Um, so, you know, the pool choices were were released. You had also some you know, maximum four characters, etc. If you make wizards more expensive, um, because they are extremely useful and, and across the board, they probably you know, should be more expensive, especially compared to combat characters that don't seem to be anywhere near as good unless they provide buffs of other sorts. Um, you know, then you counter it. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, you can take four wizards and cast four mystic shields at this unit to make it a zero-up armor save, but that is likely to be almost half your army's worth of points into those four wizards so is that worth it you know is that yeah so there are you know instead of i have looked into it you know maybe you know, maybe zeros should pass in the right situations but even if it's you know, that worry about mystic shield it, the, the answer may be just that wizards should be more expensive yeah possibly. and then that's not an issue um and there were some cool things i think uh, some of the old special characters were were out and about and um, having great fun. Yeah, Kairos is still annoying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, the combats were great. Yeah, that's the thing. And the 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 race for the objectives really was was impressive to see. And you saw armies. So walking across armies, you see sort of empire armies that are sort of look like a proper you know, cavalry charge happening. You know, sort of thirty, forty. You know, knights charging across the table with infantry support, and and I think a lot of what, well, I, th I think it's probably no secret, but I think a lot of what GW have done since they moved from seventh is to really push the. I was going to say real, realistic, but it's a fantasy game. So that's, right. Push like, the cinematic aspects of it. Right. You know, what would something actually look like if it happened? So, which is why, you know, things like random charges make sense because. Yes, you're the general. You're not the the model, right? So you're telling that unit to charge. Realistically, you don't actually know. You know, there's, there's famous battles where cavalry regiments charge up entirely wrong valleys. Never mind, not quite reaching the you know, the, the right um, distance to a unit in the in the time you wanted them to. And in actual fact, you know, the tightly formed units that we're used to after twenty plus years of Warhammer aren't 
to use that terrible word again, that realistic. I mean, they existed in certain armies and across the world in certain times. Right. But actually movement across the, across the table and full of terrain, across the battlefield, you know, even if units are super disciplined, it, it's not, you know, let's fight making sure that our armpits are touching each other. It's, you know, and you have to hold your sword up to the left so that I can put my arm here. Yeah. <laughs> 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 You know, it looks still right, you know, and you can have you know, a lot of units benefit because they'll have reach, you know, they've got reach two weapons or something and sure. they work in, you know, in blocks, they work. And you saw some very interesting things and I tried to do it once myself, my opponent didn't fall for it, because um, <laughs> I, I saw an ogre player doing it with um, multiple layers of, so you had, I think you had, um, what are the little goblin things called? Um, Noblars. Noblars, yeah. You know, screening his... Um, Lead belchers who are screening guts, uh, his iron guts, and each le- level of that allows you to hit over the uh, the level behind to hit over it. So because I think ogres, I might be wrong on this one, but I think you know they they can well their reach is wider than a noblar. So if you charge the noblars, you can still be hit by the ogres behind, and if you charge the lead belchers in front. The iron guts have the reach to still hit you, and most other units don't have the reach to hit them back. And I was doing the same with um, crypt horrors and morgasts um, with the halberds. Interesting. So a, a line of um, crypt horrors. The halberd morgasts have a reach wide enough to attack anything that's in base contact with the with the crypt horrors in front of them and not be hit by most things coming back. So a lot of that, you know, stuff that you wouldn't have to, you know, croxigor and skink. Raf? Raf? Oh, okay. Um, sorry about that, folks. Um, through the magic of editing, we're still here, but we've had a huge glitch as my computer just seemed to crash and take a while to come back. I don't know what happened. The Skype god seemed to be mad at me today. Um, but, Raf, sorry to cut you off there, and I know we sort of lost the flow of what was going on. Um, and uh, we've got, you know, Mo's waiting in the wings here to come on, so I've kind of got to, you know, go to the let, next Let segment, him wait. But... Let him wait. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um hey listen man thank you so much for coming on and but overall i mean just just yeah. overall you had a good time and you're looking forward to more aos tournaments is uh, is that safe to say i am really looking forward to more uh tournaments i, I had a fantastic time it felt like warhammer yeah i think that's the, the the gut feel from most people there after leaving it um whatever their view coming into it was there will be people that it's not quite for that happens every edition change but it felt like playing a game of warhammer um Everything acted like you felt it should from reading the books that uh, have led us to this day, and I'm I'm really pumped. You know, I think I've I've got a one or two eighth edition uh, events to go to because I promised the TOs I'd go to them as as a, as a goodbye. You know, instead of a take a, a final goodbye to the old edition, and then I am really looking forward to Age of Sigmar tournament. So we got one big one in London coming up uh, towards the end of the year, and I think there's a real potential here. You know, it's quite exciting. Well, I'm, like I said, I'm just so glad that this went well. So, mm. uh, you know, and hey, listen, you have been fantastic, and thank you so much for give, you know give, giving me your time on a Saturday afternoon like this. Um, and I definitely would love to have you back on again. So, thank you very much, David, and the pleasure is all mine. I, I kind of wish I should I should have sworn some more to make you put the cuckoo clock in. But, uh... <laughs> I, I appreciate you making my editing job a little easier. So there we go. Well, <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, goodness. Okay, and on that note, folks, we will be back. 
Thank you very much, guys. Uh, thanks for having. Talk to you soon. All right, one last time with me without uh, actual commercial to play. We're about to go on with Mo Ashraf, and uh, I just want to thank him again and everyone for coming on, but I know he was not really too keen on the idea, and he came in, and you're about to hear a great interview. He did great. There was a little bit of a Skype issue. So in the beginning of the interview, uh, there's parts where he starts to cut out a little bit, and where it got really choppy, I just clipped it. So if it seems a little clipped or things that are being said seem a bit jumpy in the beginning, forgive me. That's my fault. Uh, I didn't want to cut out the whole section of the interview because there was good stuff there. Um, I just cut out where Skype got nasty. It does clear up after the first few minutes, and then it runs clean the whole rest of the time. So um, thanks again to everyone who came on the show uh, this episode to talk about Age of Sigmar, and I will now uh, put you back to the show. All right, and here we are back again for one more segment on this, uh, what's going into a quite an amazing episode here of Garage Hammer. Um, I am here with no, no, none other than uh, Mo Ashraf, the uh, TO of Clash of Swords and the guy who has brought us the, uh, the, the first big AOS tournament. So, um, Mo, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me, David. So... Um, now I'm sorry we not for those of you you know like uh, those of you who don't know because of the magic of editing I'm coming in a little late with Mo um, I'm completely blaming Raf on this um, because I did mention to him that we had to finish by a certain time uh, he said you were uh, untrustworthy I shouldn't believe what you said and that <laughs> I, I should definitely make you wait so I'm just I'm putting it all um, on him that we're late yeah so. Raf, Raf's known to slow pay people so that's why <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just kidding <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm just like I said. It's it's always fun to pass the buck on other people and throw them under the bus. So no, no worries, that's fine. <laughs> so okay, um, I guess the first question is, uh, you know, AOS comes out and you've got Clash coming up. Uh, a lot of people just said, forget it. We're still playing Eighth. Um, it, it 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 took some stones to say no. I'm gonna put together a compact and we're gonna play AOS. <clears throat> what what motivated you to be the guy to to do that? Um, well, I, I mean, I run the tournament for the players. It's not, you know, I'm not playing in the tournament, so it doesn't really matter for me. Um, I run the tournament more, mainly for my like close friends. Um, so a lot of my friends come to this tournament and I just ask their opinion, you know. Personally, I would have just preferred to play 8th because it'd be easier for me, especially with ETC just before it. Um, as you know, it was a lot of work because I was captaining Team Wales, so I had to do a lot of work for that. So for me, it would have been a lot easier just to play 8th edition. But I asked my mates, and the majority of them said, we want to play Age of Sigma. Um, that's the future of you know Warhammer in the UK, I think, and they wanted to play it. So I said, okay, if that's what you guys want to play, I'll, I'll run an Age of Sigma tournament. So, so yeah, that's it. 
so then now you've got to come up with a comp pack. How long? Yeah. Uh, how long uh, did it take you to come up with? And could you could you kind of go through the process of the, of how this worked for you? Because honestly, it's a pretty darn cool compact. Uh, without having to do a lot of the math of some of the other compacts, which are adding up all these different bits and big formulas, you managed to give us something pretty simple: pools and you know some straightforward stuff. How'd that come about? Um, well, I I didn't start straight away. I kind of gave it some time, see what other people were coming up with, um, and like you said, a lot of them were quite complicated. Um, some of them had you know points per model and positions, and you know it's it back to eighth um, edition where everything was costed and you had to add them all up, and every, everything was quite different. And I've all of these, and I didn't really get into any of them because they were so complicated. Um, so I thought. First off, we need something quite simple. Um, the first tournament as well, people are going to be confused. Some some people aren't going to even play practice games before the tournament. So I wanted something that anyone can just pick up and go from there. So I thought uh, pool choice is generally quite well received in the UK. For We have quite a lot of tournaments with a lot of different competition. And pool done quite well because uh, it's quite simple. So, I've, so I went with that and started just writing pool choices for each of these. So you were saying that you decided to go with the pool choices. Yeah, uh, yeah. just because, again, I think it's simple and everyone can just kind of quickly work out a list. Because uh, it was between when I was going to release it and, you know, people, so they know what they think, what they need to rebase if they are, and, you know, what they need to paint up if they need to paint anything else up. Okay, so they get their pool choices, they can make their list. You decided to go with uh, 30 choices and you're playing 20, so that way you have some flexibility when you come up to the table, which also keeps with that whole idea in the in the original four pages of, you know, having flexibility when you come up to the table. That, that, yeah, that uncomped Age Sigma had that kind of, you can deploy whatever you want, uh, and your opponent's not sure what you're going to... Right. Uh, uncomped, so I to try to keep that in. Uh, and us 20 pool choices deployed and 30 in your army list. People that haven't had from the army... They don't have to, you know, bring for thirty. They can just say this is my twenty. And a few people did that. You know, they didn't have the thirty pool choices. They just had twenty. Um, okay. So it allowed them to take their small armies. Cool. So it gave even the players flexibility. So they didn't have to come in with thirty pool choices. If they decided to just bring twenty, that's fine. Yeah, it's completely fine. Um, I think one of the players had nineteen pool choices only, uh, just because that's what he had painted. So he just brought that. But go. it just allowed them to have a bit of flexibility um, with characters as well and monsters because there's, there's a limit on how many monsters and characters you can deploy. But in the 30 pool choices, you could have different characters. So each game, you could have different character setups and stuff like that. Okay. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's cool. So, yeah, you can change your synergies depending on who you're facing. Um, yeah, exactly. So now I noticed some of the now, some of the scenarios that you chose. Um, now, I mean, some of those were just from other systems. Am I correct? Because I know I brought up the one where the one objective disappears after a turn, and my buddy who plays War Machine's like, he's like, that's a that's right out of a of you know that we have that one in War Machine. Um, I, I mean, did you did you just yeah, kind of? Uh, I, I mean, I play Horde War Machine. Oh, okay, you do. I think the game works really well because all the games are scenario based. Uh, um, yeah, so I started playing Hordeal Machine about a year ago, and all the scenarios in there are like really well thought out. And yeah, the one where the 
objective disappears. It was actually one of my favorite Horde's War Machine objective uh, scenarios. So I thought that actually could work quite well. Um, so I brought all of these kind of scenarios in. A couple of them are taken straight from Horde's War Machine, and others are based around Horde's War Machine, really. Um, so I you know, quite owe quite a lot to Horde's War Machine scenarios, really. So I thought, you know, I'll just write a few, see what people think of them. And they turned out to be, you know, a few people tested them out for me and they did really well. So they said, yeah, go for it. That's cool. So um, let's see, what else did I want to ask about? Um, all right. So now, you know, you're, I, I really found what I found interesting was when I read, um, you know, you got five turns. Uh, if you don't wipe out your opponent, it's a 10-10. If you do, it's a 15-5. And then the scenarios can really balance it out with the pluses and minuses where you still get that full range in a 20-0, a 20-0 system. Um, yeah. But with all that stuff going on, how hard was that to sort of put together and come up with? Because when I first read it, it seemed a little, it seemed like difficult to get a full-on score, you know, that way. To re- uh, It just, I mean, it just, it seemed like, how did you come up with that, I guess, you know? Uh, well, it's it's kind of my the spreadsheet I used to run Clash of Swords, a tournament. Um, it's based off a twenty nil system, and I do quite a lot of like uh, additional stats with that twenty nil system because like if you have seventeen free and you kind of you can see how big you beat your opponent and so forth. So I wanted right. a twenty nil system where you know you can have degrees of victory rather than just a win loss draw. Right. So I thought straight away I need you know a system that's got twenty nil. Um, and, I, and I prefer a 20 nil system um, because it gives you something to play for. Even though you know you're going to lose, you can still play for one or two points. Whereas in a win-loss draw, if you lose, you know, it's a loss. You've got zero points. So I, I knew I wanted a 20 nil system. Uh, I thought if I got primary objective, I can make these, you know, secondary objectives, which, again, because the UK has had so many different compacts in 8th edition, I kind of just stole a few of them from, like, previous years. Um where one was like, you know, second objective is kill your general. And I thought, if I could do similar stuff, and we've got the, the you know, the sudden deaths table. So I used a few of them and a few others, and I thought these could be secondary objectives. And again, that, again, allows for that playing for a minor loss rather than a big loss. Nice. So um, how long, I think, from start to finish, and, and figuring out pool choices and stuff like that, how long did it take you? Because, I mean, there's a lot here. There's, I mean, I printed it out, and, you know, the, the, the compact itself is only a few pages, but once you start getting into all the pool choices, it's, it, it becomes a, a hefty document. So how long did it take you to put all this together? Uh, about two weeks. Uh, not, it didn't take as long as people are kind of saying they would have. Uh, I just had a formula kind of because so many people had done – work on you know the pool choice not pool choice point costs or stuff like that beforehand and um, there was just a spreadsheet with all the units in there already with their kind of stats already in there okay so, so literally all i did was just take that guy's you know spreadsheet um put the, my own formula in and literally just you know did it for all the units and can came with a rough pool cost for each unit okay uh, and then, you know, just rounded up to the nearest full number or half number and kind of went over it as well manually. But it, it was just that formula that kind of helped out a lot and made pool choices quite quick, actually. Cool. It was then putting it out there and getting feedback and then 
again, the community in the UK has been awesome. Not even the UK alone, just from all over the world. People have put in feedback and said, this unit looks a bit low on pool cost. Some look high. And then I just amended based off their feedback, really. Um, so it, it's not that bad of pool cost, actually. To, didn't take that long, to be honest. Cool. Okay, so you get your compact together, you get your game going, and um, yep. I guess the, the big question is, so I know you did get, you said you got a lot of feedback, so how do you feel it went? I mean, how was it received overall? Definitely uh, better than expected. I, I wasn't sure about it myself, the game uh, as a whole before the tournament. Uh, I just finished, you know, the ETC playing 8th edition, and it was amazing, and it kind of put me off Age Sigma playing at DTC because I thought, you know, Age Edition was that good. I, I loved it at that time as well. And then I was a bit unsure. But by the end of it, the tournament myself, I was thinking, you know what, I'm really looking forward to Age Sigma now. really want to start going to tournaments myself and start playing. And a few people had the same kind of opinion of they, they, they only came, you know, because they booked the hotels, they booked the travel. They thought, may as well still come and play. Uh, had no intention of enjoying the games, but they came away quite excited, uh, buying you know new armies and things like that. Obviously, a few people are still a bit unsure about the game, um, but overall, I think definitely it, it just felt like an eighth edition tournament really to me. And a lot of people said that as well, which I think is high praise really oh, yeah. for the game system. Yeah, that's no, that's that's great. Like I said, I'm really excited to hear it because you know I, I I'm I'm fully uh you know i'm fully invested i, I kind of want this to i want this to work out you know because i'm enjoying it and i i'm you know I'd, I'd like to see the community you know stick with this but um i'm just i'm just i'm like i said i'm so excited that it worked out for you i was i was sitting around watching on twitter waiting to see the feedback when this started how it went yeah. so it's nice now i know you've got other people who are picking up your your comp and running with it as well um, yeah, it's been quite a few uh, people interested, which is you know, quite humbling um, and quite exciting as well because the more tournaments that run it, the better the pool costs and the feedback's going to get. And, you know, the continuous improvements, even minor ones, um, and the more people are playing with it, the more feedback I'm going to get. There's some people in Singapore, Australia, US, and South Africa, which have been emailing me saying, you know, they're going to use my packs for tournaments, which is really exciting, really. That's see really all these cool. people all over the world not just the uk but just everyone you know playing the system and actually enjoying it that's fantastic there really is all right so like i said i know i know you're uh, i know you're limited on time so let me ask you this one more thing um where do you think you it was there anything you really are looking back that, that you need to tweak or you want to improve uh, for for next time is there anything that you really felt you that uh, that you, that you realized? Oh wow! Wait a minute that that needs to be fixed. I mean, other than Grecia's gold tubes, <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, yeah, that was a big thing. But uh, luckily, the person that used him only used him in one game, and even he thought, you know, this is actually broken, so I'm not going to use him again. He only used it in one game. Uh, wait, somebody had something really broken and opted not to use it and just yes. chose to be a good sport. Really? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. Um, and, you know, he did well as well. Came, I think, ninth overall. Best ogre as well. Um, but, you know, he's a good player and he knew that he didn't need to use him really in that, you know, he's not going to be able to use him in future, so you may as well start practicing without him now. <laughs> um, because, yeah, it was just an oversight. Again, with it was it's 530 war scrolls. Um, 
in total between the 15 armies. Now there's a few more with the new armies coming out, uh, the Forge World stuff as well. So obviously I, I missed a few things. But I think actually most of them got caught. Um, Engine of the Gods getting a few extra turns with like Teto Echoes, rerolls and Slam. It's quite a powerful combo. Uh, if you get the turns off, like, you know, one person got, I think, four extra turns over the tournament. Um, which, you know, is... And he ended up winning the tournament. Um, but then another Engine of the Gods player didn't get any free turns and he gained fourth as well. So I think Lizardmen generally were under comp. But I've, I've fixed that in the second update and increased their pools and stuff like that. Apart from that, the only things I would change is stuff I know I have to change, stuff like summoning. Um, the original idea was not allowing summoning because it's a new game. I don't want to add these new rules, too many new rules. Right. Um, I think you can't allow summoning and comp. You have to kind of comp it somehow. Oh, yeah. And I think oh, the yeah. easiest way for the first one was just ban it straight out, um, let people you know get used to the game a bit, and then I can add more and more rules to the compact. Um, so I will allow something at some point in some way. I'm not sure how yet, um, but definitely will be allowed. And apart from that, I think most of it is already kind of covered. Uh, the only other main point is allowing alliances. At the moment, I'm only allowing each army to be, you know, individual, like Empire's Empire, Lizardmen, Lizardmen. Right. Some people are asking, you know, can we have order and death and stuff like that? And I think for now, it'll be just separate until we get a better hand of the game and the pool choices and when the units are a bit more proportionally correctly costed we could start allowing alliances right and that and like and that i mean i i look at that i i i know i was talking with uh brad schwant yesterday he was he's on he's on the earlier part of the show and you know he's all about the the alliances and i just i looked at it and kind of cringed going wow if if i mean at least in the beginning just thinking there's so much there that you could miss that could totally break it. You know what I'm saying? And you don't want that, obviously, in the early stages of the tournament scene for this if you want people to enjoy themselves. So I totally get why you kept it pure. Um, here in the here in, in my basement, we've been keeping it to straight up pure army list as well just till we get a feel for the game. Yeah, I mean, the other thing that kind of pushed me towards no uh, alliances was I'd already ordered all the best room race trophies. <laughs> so I was kind of like, you know, um, we need to have separate races, really. I'm not gonna, not gonna get a refund on them. So yeah, right, let's keep them separate for now. <laughs> okay. So that kind of affected the decision. But I think you're right in that. There's so many combos that could be missed. You know, there's already combos I've missed with like Lizardmen, like I was saying. And that was just one tournament. You know, the next few tournaments are going to be interesting to see if anything else has been missed. And if we allow alliances, I think it's a, it's a it's more chance of just people going, you know what, that's broken. I'm not going to play this game anymore. So I, I did kind of play it safe with my first tournament because I think it was quite an important tournament for the UK kind of scene to kind of make sure that this game doesn't ruin people's, you know, hobby and just make them rage quit straight away. And luckily we didn't have any of that. So nice. quite happy how it went. All right. So um, so how did, how did it break down? I know you said you've got Lizards in first and fourth place in your top 10. Did you have a variety or, I mean... Um, yeah, we did. We had uh, Tomb Kings up there, um, Demons, Vampire Counts. Uh, let me just quickly get the... Sorry. Um, there was no army that kind of out-and-out out smashed it and, you know, broke everything else. Um, yeah, I think top 10, we only had two Dark Elves and everything else was like individual armies. So it's Lizardmen, Vampires, 
what else? Uh, demons, ogres. Yeah. So it's only one duplicate in the top ten. Oh, yeah. So uh, top twelve. Yeah. So. So how the dwarves do? Was it so? How the dwarves do? Dwarves. Uh, there was no <laughs> dwarf players at Clash. Actually. Yeah, I know. I saw you tweeting how yeah. your comp worked. You kept all the dwarf players out. I was a little salty when I read that, but I saw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got, a, I've got a, a best in race dwarf trophy, which I'm not sure what to do with at the moment. Um, <laughs> it's going to be. I think I may set fire to it. Oh, great! You get one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. put it up on YouTube. We can all watch it. That's great. No, no uh, I, make, I, I do make fun of dwarf players a bit fairly, but I've always had good games against them actually. But, yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see how they do actually in Clash uh, comp. So it was a bit disappointing not to see any, to be honest. Um, again, just to see how how they perform and get feedback on them. But hopefully, the next few tournaments will. I to think I'd live to see the day where Bretts are on the ta- on on tables and there's no dwarfs. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna have a cry now. A bit of a good cry <laughs> and get off there, but. So listen, I know you've got stuff to do, and uh, I, I I just appreciate your really coming on, man, um, and and letting us know how this went. I'm just I'm kind of amazed. I didn't expect it. You know, two weeks you got this put together. Everything seemed to run well. Not too many glitches, man. Congratulations on on thank you on uh, not just having a good success, but showing people that we, you know it's a new system and it's a new game, and it and it can work, man. And I pre I just thanks for. Taking the effort, making the effort, and and taking the risks, um, and putting on what, by all accounts, was a great, a great, uh, a great time. No worries. Uh, I mean, I want to say thanks as well to you know all the people that have put feedback. There's some people that have you know literally gone through almost all the pool choices and you know put what they think they should be and made notes of why things should go up. And it's been quite humbling that you know I've got maybe about twenty people that are giving regular feedback on the comp and. Every time they update, they're saying actually this could be done differently, and it's it's all you know. It's quite nice to see people saying actually their army is being undercomped and to actually raise their pool costs of their own army. So that actually you know thinking about the overall rather than just you know how can it benefit them. So it's been quite nice to kind of get all this feedback and speak to new people that I've never spoken to. So it's been quite cool to actually make this comp, and hopefully it'll go strength to strength. More gamer fairness and honesty. What is our hobby coming to? I know it's awful. <laughs> All right, well, Mo, thank you so much for coming on. And um, seriously, you know, next time you're running something, I mean, you are more than welcome to come on anytime. Plug your tournament if you're making changes. You want any help from the community? Just uh, drop me a line and let me know. And you are welcome anytime to 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 pop in. That's great to hear. Thanks, Matt. All right, and thank you so much. And folks. Uh, We'll be right back with uh, Brad and Andrea again to uh, wrap up the show. Check out that guy in the Garage Hammer shirt. Who cares about him? Look at that guy with the Garage Hammer hoodie. That's right, guys. Nothing tells the ladies I'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear. So hurry to garagehammer.net slash store, and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about. Remember, boys, first you get your gear, then you win all your games, then you get the chicks. That's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in the 
garage gear. We are back. 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 Wrapping up the show. Brad, Andrea. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much, guys, for coming on and spending a couple hours with me on a Friday night when you guys could be, you know, playing games or having date night or whatever it is you do on a Friday night. (laughs) Date night is playing games. (laughs) When I was saying date night, I thought it sounded a little more amorous. But, hey, you know what? You know. Well, we won't tell you what we do with our models. Oh, I mean, hey, well, at least someone's pushing something together. That's all I'm saying. But uh, <laughs> great, googly moogly. So, listen. Um, before we wrap up the show, I wanted to bring up a little thing here. And like I said, um, this is something that's totally like just like show sort of related. And uh, so, you two, if you have an opinion, feel free to give it. But you don't don't feel like you have to because it's totally out of the blue here. But um, when I posted up my models and stuff on the on the website and stuff, and I put it up on Facebook, um, you know, I said, you know, I'm tr- the equipment is getting to be five years old, and bits and th- bits and pieces are starting to go here, and uh, I'm looking to to maybe upgrade a few bits and things. And uh, someone had suggested, hey, you know, you should try Patreon, and um, I was like, eh, I don't know. And then they're like, no, and more and more people have been saying you should try this. And I don't know if you guys know what that is, but that's a thing where. Uh, people go on and they become your patron. They basically say, hey, every episode you put out, I'll give you 50 cents and I'll put a limit of $2 a month. So that way, if you decide to put out 90 episodes, I'm not suddenly out $45. Um, and then they do that. And basically what you do, it's almost, you know, it's like it's like a it's it's, it's basically someone who wants to pledge a little bit every month. They say, hey, I want to help you out. A couple of people have tried to do that for me through just through through PayPal, through the donate thing. And it just it gets wonky and it doesn't seem to work. So. Um, I was thinking about it, but then I went and looked at other people's Patreon things. So like D6 Generation does it. Um, but the thing is, as people donate, you know, the, it's almost kind of like Kickstarter. You, you, the people like, oh, well, if you do this, you know, if I get to this point, I'll do this and that and other stuff. And I don't have any idea like what I could do. Like, um, you know, maybe do a Google Hangout for people who are patrons every, you know, every couple months do a Google Hangout. So we just sit and just chat about gaming paint stuff. Night, yeah. Paint nights. Um, I was thinking that if, you know if we get to a certain point, I'll let the patrons pick a topic every couple months for the show. You know, have them pick like you know do what what do they want to hear? Maybe even do that extra episode every few months, even though I'm not really you know I've stopped doing extra episodes. But for that, I would do it. Um, and so basically, I mean, I you know I I would I don't know. It's just, I feel weird as you know asking for that because like I said, we don't do and you know when Christopher and I started this, we don't have any like premium section. If I want to talk about something and put out an extra episode or talk about a different game, I just put it out there. You know, the show's free. Nobody ever has to pay anything. Um, but if somebody wanted to do something like that, I don't know if there's even any interest. Um, so basically, I mean, I'm only even throwing this out there. If somebody, I, I mean, I would like to hear people's opinion if they, if they, I don't know. I just, you know, the, the show threads on the forum. And uh, everyone has my email address. It's at the end of the show. Um, I wouldn't mind people's opinions, you know. Um, and obviously, nobody has to do anything, but it would be a way that, 
you know, that I could make sure that I've got stuff coming in for the show without without putting ads up on the like, you know, Daniel runs my thing. Oh, you should think about putting up ads on the pages, you know, or in the forums and that stuff that could generate revenue for the show. And I'd rather not do that. I'd rather just go with what we have, which is a few sponsors. And if anyone wanted to donate and help out, um, that's cool. I don't, you know, I don't know if you guys have any ideas on it or whatnot, but, um, I mean, I'll say this. I, I'm not a huge fan of those things and people just asking for money, but when you've got uh, a product or an idea or a show like Garage Hammer that it takes up a ton of time, not only to record, um, but to edit, um, the equipment is expensive. You, I'm sure you paid for all of it out of your own pocket. Right. Um, that's a lot that it, it's time and money. And a lot of people get a lot of enjoyment out of your show. I don't think there would be um, a real problem of you asking because, I mean, if you don't want to offer up any money to Patreon or whatever it's called or however it works, just don't. It's yeah, free. And that's the thing. I mean, I'm Dave's not, not going to know that you're not giving him money. Um, he, you're just going to be another listener that loves the show. Or you could go ahead and sign up and uh, help him out a little bit. I mean, I could see... And somebody thing, who, honestly, who really listens to a lot of episodes, it's 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 worth uh, tossing something here or there. And like I said, honestly, if if I even set this up and nobody did it, I wouldn't. It's not like I would be crushed or heartbroken. But I'm really, I'm honestly considering it, you know, and then throwing in. But the, I guess my question is, you know, what sort of bonus things would people want? I mean, it, there's, I don't know that there's, you know. I know like D6 Generation does, and they've got all sorts of extra things that they do with extra nights, but these guys do that, I mean, constantly. They're, you know, they're putting out tons of stuff, and they do that, and I'm just me. I'm happy to do like paint I think the, or- uh, the paint night is a pretty cool idea. I know uh, when you listen to a lot of these shows, it's, it's fun and it's cool to meet your, your podcasters in person and uh, become gaming buddies with them and to have conversations and ideas uh, shared and I mean doing a paint night with some guys that you know online that that really helps build a community and it's part of the reason why I stuck with Warhammer for so long. Okay, well, cool. Well, like I said, and I appreciate saying. I mean, I appreciate you being nice about this. I kind of put you on the spot. I mean, you could, you know. Uh, hey, you know. I, if if I really didn't like it, I would tell you. Don't I, worry. Yeah, about I that. know you would. That's the thing. And and honestly, I mean, I've seen these Patreon things where you know you can get fifty cents an episode, and if you if that's what you wanted to do, and uh, hey. Any little bit helped. I mean, I, you know. The the worst that is going to happen is that he's going to put more episodes out and you're going to pay $2 a month instead of $1 a month. Is that really so bad to get an extra episode out of Dave? Yeah. And then, like I said, I'd be happy. And, hey, have, have you know, doing paint nights would actually make sure I keep my hobby going. And an ep- extra episode here or there. And honestly, if it it's got, the only you know, it's, it's the only way I got my Nagash Army done for Wapaka was group paint nights with other other dudes from around the country. There you go. So I'm just putting the idea out there. I'm not jumping into it yet, but uh, I, I wouldn't mind feedback. Um, uh, you know, um, all I ask is that if you, if you don't like the idea, I don't mind that you tell me you don't like the idea, but just be, be nice because <laughs> I'm fragile. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I think that's pretty much it. Um, that's all I wanted to mention and talk about uh, before we wrapped up here. So, um, yeah, guys, once again, thank, thank you to both of you for coming on. And helping me out here. Um, I probably will be asking you again because until I find a regular co-host, I don't want to be here on the mic by myself. So, <laughs> Hopefully we did all right. <laughs> no, you got to do, do, do. Seriously, this was great. Thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. I think I think 
This is. I'm getting to the point now where I can kind of tell while we're recording how it's going. I, this one went really well, and uh, you guys were great. And I do appreciate you coming on. Bill the Beans, who was terrible. <laughs> no, you guys are great. You were great. All right, folks. Um, up oh, there's Harrison. Dad, I'm done. Come get me. All right, folks. Gotta go. I will see you for episode 129. Um, we're gonna give the uh, first big book plus Gates of Azir the uh, the Garage Hammer Fluff treatment. So. Yeah, don't call me for that one. Don't, don't worry about it. I got it all lined up. <laughs> all right, take it easy, guys. I'll talk to you soon. See ya. Thanks, See ya. Dave. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at GarageHammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at GarageHammer.net. And you can reach both of us through GarageHammer at Live.com. If you want to help support GarageHammer, check the support page or the show store on our website or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.